Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Happy Monday. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on a glistening, cloudless, sunny day in St. Louis, in which it's 34 degrees on April 24th. Good morning, kids. How are we doing? Why is it so cold? Because it's stupid. It, it the is. weather is stupid. It's ridiculous. It's a really a good day today, other than than walking outside and and stupid. feel like you need a coat and a hat. Yeah, just in, smacks you what, right what, in the what face. What month are we in? April. April. Of April. April. Last week of April. Yeah. Crazy. Global warming, maybe. Uh, a little climate change. Yeah. Climate change. Climate change is happening. <laughs> I kind of think. Gotta be right. <laughs> is that what it is? Could be, could be cyclical. It's science. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go overboard with the science stuff, okay? <laughs> Everybody have a pleasant weekend? Yes. I had an outstanding weekend. We'd like to hear. It was I had pretty I'll tell you about one of them during the, the my top three things. Okay, good deal. But it was uh it was pretty cool. Yeah. We we uh you know got to take some some battle hawks and we're gonna talk to our buddy Greg Warren, local comedian, coming up at the bottom of this hour. He's a big sports fan, listens to the show all the time. And if you listen all the time, you can get on, apparently. Uh Chris Kerber is also going to join us at, <laughs> at eight o'clock. But the Cardinals salvage the victory. See, that's one of the nice things about the Cardinals for us is that they can lose on Friday and Saturday. We don't care. But Sunday, <laughs> we don't care. We don't care. No. I think I think I think we want to win series. We do want to win series. I, I think hey. we want to win the first game of a series. Ah. No, we pick don't. one. Ah. We don't Just care. One. Anyone, pick one. We don't care. Not well. We care. Okay, okay. the manager doesn't. <laughs> oh, that's wow. true. Yeah, so, that is true. Yeah, the old, the old saying: you win fifty-four, you lose fifty-four, and the other fifty-four. The Cardinals have chosen the fifty-four they're going to lose this yeah, year, ladies the first and gentlemen. One. The first game of every series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are actually going to uh, discuss this very topic coming up later in the show, coming up at the top of the eight o'clock hour. But we're going to focus on yesterday because yesterday was good. Yesterday, the Cardinals won seven to three, and. The founder, president, CEO, treasurer, vice president of the Lars Ubar fan club, owner of yes. the Lars Ubar fan club, very, very happy at about 3.10 ye- uh, yesterday afternoon when her guy, the, the focus of her fan club, Lars Ubar, stepped in. So they've won the series. The Cardinals try to salvage game three. And Lars Nootbar waits and drives the first one a mile high to right. That's how you start a ball game. I'll lead off home run. There you go. Lars Newtbar, your leadoff guy, and he does that. You just like to see it. I mean, as the president CEO of the Lars Newtbar fan club, we all rejoice. And I put on Twitter, and you know, of course, we know the Jack Buck saying, you know, go crazy, folks, go mm-hmm. crazy. I put out there, go nutty. Newt Bar, Newt Bars, go nutty. Some people liked it, some people didn't, and that's okay. I know we're getting used to this because it's the Lars Newt Bar, the nutty neuter, neuters out of Newt Nation. 
Okay. It's a lot to catch on to at first, but we are gladly like accepting. It does feel like a lot. We're, but we're gladly once accepting you're in, you're new members. In, right? Exactly. Yes. Yes. And then you can even get to see, you know, commercials from Japan. I don't know if you guys saw that this mm-hmm. weekend too. Which shot in Clayton, by the way. I don't know if anybody noticed that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Pretty cool. It was. So, yeah, you noticed it was in Clayton. So we've got a one nothing lead, and then Goldie scores on a failed pickoff play later in the first. So it's two nothing Cardinals. The Mariners come back, and as they are want to do against the Cardinals, they take a three two lead. But then Tyler O'Neill ties the game with an RBI hit in the third, and then in the fourth, the Cardinals put a couple of runners on for the guy who hits the ball the hardest. Nolan Gorman up with two outs. This is where he's been destructive. Swing, fly ball, belted right center field. Gorman does it again. Three-run blast for Nolan Gorman. The Cardinals lead 6-3, to three, and you're thinking, okay, well, we've got this one in the bag. And yes, indeed, the Cardinals did have that one in the bag. But the excitement wasn't over because Paul DeYoung, up from Memphis, off of the injury, making his first appearance of 2023, and he does what he does. Couple of hits in this one for DeYoung. He singled twice. High fly ball. That's hammered deep left center field. Rodriguez back and is gone. Paul DeYoung with a three hit return has gone deep in Seattle. Paul DeYoung is hitting 750, kids, with an OPS of 1,500. He's is, the MVP right now. Rock is shaking his head. It no. No. No! God, no! Yeah, it's okay, Rock. It's, it's one game. He played very well, and, you know, hopefully, I don't know what this means for him uh, in his future as a Cardinal, but good game for him. Mm-hmm. Good job coming back up for, off the IL and, uh, you know, performing very well. Jack Flaherty gives the Cardinals a quality start. Six innings, three runs, five hits. He struck out nine and walked two, and the Cardinals are three and two in Flaherty starts this year. Cabrera came on. He allowed a base hit in the seventh inning. And then Helsley came on to pitch the seventh and the eighth. Gallegos comes on in the ninth with an inning of scoreless ball. And the Cardinals win it 7-3. to three. So go Cards after losing the first two of the series. Oh. And we're happy. We're happy on Monday morning. We really we weren't here on Saturday and Sunday morning, so we did <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we're good. You just you only remember what just happened, right? Seventy three win. You don't have to worry about Friday and Saturday when the fifth best offense, the Cardinals, was hitting. You know they they what was it? The first two games of the series, the Cardinals offense scored just six runs off yeah. of Seattle. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Either way, yeah. Things good. things on Sunday were great, but like you were saying, Jack, a really good game. Paul DeYoung, he comes back. You have to do something with him, right, in the lineup. And for him to come well, back yeah, in that game. You do. Yeah, you do it. have to do something. <laughs> so at least he was able to do something. I thought this was interesting. John didn't tweet this out last night. He's a fast starter, Paul DeYoung. He's homered in his first big league game, in his first game last year after being recalled from AAA, and then yesterday a home run in his first game back. Wow. But we don't want to talk about what happens, happens and subsequently. Of course, a lot of people were bringing that up on social media, too. <laughs> Cardinals do play tonight in San Francisco. It's the opener of a three, uh, four-gamer against the Giants. And Jordan Montgomery will pitch against Alex Cobb. That game starts at 8.45 St. Louis time. So the Cardinals win yesterday 7-3. to three. A lot of other things over the weekend. Saturday night in... Uh, is it Colorado? Do they play in Denver, Colorado Springs? Where, where do the Colorado Rapids play? I don't even know. I don't even care. Really? Uh, St. Louis City SC uh, <laughs> played their first draw ever in a match at Colorado. It was a 1-1 draw. And Roman Berkey was sensational. Yes. Technically in Commerce City, Colorado. Commerce City. Is where the stadium oh, okay. Is. okay, good. Sounds How like could you not know that? place where you have a ranch or something. 
Commerce City. <laughs> right? Like Everybody that. wears cowboy hats to the Colorado Rapids games. Mm-hmm. And it was a nil-nil draw late in the game, in the, in the second half, when City SC broke the tie. Hands go up for offside, but striking at the crossing. It's towards Ulm, who makes no mistake this time. The two players who just missed golden chances, creating another. And St. Louis, again, lead away from home. And we're thinking, okay, we got another W. We got another win. But before the game was out, Barrios scored for Colorado against Roman Berkey, and we wound up in 1-1 draw. First draw we've ever had. Here is Roman Berkey. Yeah, me personally, I always want to win. Um, I feel empty a little bit, disappointed, um, because I think this team is not as good as we made them, Colorado. Um, I think we we missed um, a lot today when it comes with the ball and against the ball. And I mean, if you're up 1-0, you just have to fight for for, for the win, you know, you have to go all in and you have to fight, you have to defend. And um, today, not everybody was defending. This is not a beer league. Is no. it okay? We, we got to play hard. Every, every, every time. Every yeah. play. Mm-hmm. Every chance. Yeah. yeah. I like it. We well, get an opportunity. I like what he said there because he's the whole reason that they were even able to come away with the point. He stood really tall for him. I mean, just look at this. This just tells you. I know that we're not big into stats and analytics here. We're more about what happened in the game. But yes. this is pretty big. The Rapids had advantages of 21 to 9 in shots and 13 to 4 in shots on goal. Roman Berkey saving a season high 12 shots. For City SC, yeah, he so was he great. was under fire a lot. That just tells you, and you guys know we've mm-hmm. seen their games. That doesn't matches. seem like their their matches. That yeah. doesn't seem like their style of play. No, it's not. And tell me this, okay? I know it's a beautiful game, but I'm in America, okay? To me, when the <laughs> clock strikes zero, the game should be over. Clock hits ninety. Huh? When the clock hits oh, 90. 90. Yeah, well, to, to me, the clock should, I'm in America, and the clock should strike zero. And Why doesn't it strike zero? No, it, it's America. It, it, it strikes 90, and then there's like 90 plus extra two, time. 90 Eight plus minutes this time. <laughs> and who decides? That's a very good question. It, it, Your favorite seems, person in sports, the referee. Uh, so well. anyway, they score at 90 plus two. Colorado does. Uh, and, and that's how they were able to, to achieve the draw. I mean, isn't, isn't 90 minutes got, enough? Here's the thing. In 90 minutes Here's the enough? thing. If you get that far, and I do agree with, with Berkey, you have to finish. Like, you cannot. We did. You can't lax and, and, and allow a goal to happen. You got to you gotta finish. You got to finish the game. Well, you played that long. <laughs> you might as well finish it, right? I agree with uh, the, your But, but, but uh, you're the saying process. the game is it over. It should have been over. You're, Randy's saying it should have been done, that that shouldn't have been allowed. Is that where you're going uh, with this, Randy? He, he was up in arms when they scored after the 90-minute mark. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> now, uh, here's my thing. Sure, I'm the ugly American, but let's Americanize the sport. I don't, I, I don't I know if you can. I think Ameri- it's been Americanized. Well, I don't, I don't it's, it's been here. It's like the the <laughs> world's game. I don't know that you can change it just for for America. Sure. I, I think that would actually get more people disliking us than many other things that we already do. <laughs> like that alone, so you, you change that game just for this How this country. This? Game Oof. is game is tied after ninety. Play extra. I mean, here's the thing. Should a guy laying on the field, being taken off on a stretcher after five minutes, and then coming back after one minute away, be able to be the reason that you get an extra five minutes? I, I, you may have a, you may have a point there, Randy. We may have to take this in front of some people that will listen. Yep. Because they do they do fall out and they do lay there 
and they do stretch her off, and then uh, miraculously, I don't know what they give them on the sideline, but they smelling salts. Like, ah. smelling salts. Mm. Hey, those yeah. guys are tough. Couple of other notes: the Battlehawks missed the playoffs. They beat the Guardians 53-28 to finish seven and three on the season. But even though they finished seven and three, and Brooke, you texted us this last night. They didn't make the playoffs, and it's stupid that they. Uh, we got a lot of stupid stuff going on here today. Look, but it's stupid that they didn't make the playoffs. And I do get. I I saw a lot of people saying on social media, okay, they could have. They knew this, right? They could have just won at home against Seattle, and you wouldn't have to worry about any of this stuff. I get that, but at the same time, this is a league just restarting. Only eight teams. The best teams should be in the playoffs. Just make it simple, especially for viewership. If you're trying to grow the game, and then. As for divisions moving forward, as you expand the league, hopefully, as you get more fans, more attention, then worry about divisions. And the concept of the wild card was born for teams that have good seasons that play in a division with a really good team that wins the division. Why they, like in every other sport in America, don't have the teams with the best record that aren't the division champions being the wild cards, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. No. And now you're going to have the four and six renegades in the play. Who's going to watch that? Yeah. <laughs> Who is going to watch that? Is that the Arlington team? Yes. yes. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh-oh. There you that go. seems scripted. No. Uh-oh. No. Scripted. We have, we have anger towards one person, though, right? <laughs> or are we already? I thought we did. I thought we. Rock oh yeah, did. the Rock. Yeah, not this Rock. Not this Rock. The Rock. The Rock. Oh, Rocky. Way, the Rock is mad at the Rock. Rock well, is Rock is mad at the Rock. Well, here's the thing: the, the Rock, who owns the league, WWE guy, was also the person that introduced the Los Angeles Rams to start the 2022 season on their field Ooh. at SoFi Stadium. He's clearly a cronky, clearly an NFL guy. And so with that being the case, I think that we have to feel like we are the uh, aggrieved party here. I think I, I will agree with that to a, to a degree. I think I do believe The Rock should have been here for the first game or the last game. We only drew 38,000 a game. Yeah, St. Louis is a different animal from all of the other cities. I, I was talking to some some XFL people at the game on on Saturday, and they were saying they've gone to games where there's 5,000 people in the stadium. This is a city that draws 30,000-plus for each home game. You should probably show those people that are really engaged in your product some love. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. I know he did the 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 announcement prior to the first game, but it's different from being on, you know, on the the, the, the television as opposed to being in person. Hell, even Roger Goodell showed up here one time. So did Tagliabue. Oh. First uh, first game at the Dome, Tagliabue showed up. So yeah, it's if the NFL bozos can do it, then. This guy can do it. He big times. He could have at least also come on the show too. Yeah, I that would have maybe been, even responded to an wow. email just that once. Ideal. Yeah. So anyway, Matthew's mad here. He's frustrated again. The fact that he—I mean, <laughs> the fact that he wasn't there for the opening game when when you knew that the attendance was going to be ridiculous mm-hmm. was crazy. But then the fact that he kept showing up to other stadiums and he gave a shout out when when DC yeah. sold out their like eighteen thousand person stadium, and I was like. There's a really simple PR move here, my guy, and I'm not sure why you don't make it. Um, Maybe St. Louis sells out football. St. Louis sells out wrestling, too. I mean, there's always been a big wrestling fandom here. I'm not sure why you don't tap in. Maybe it's one of the things where you don't feel like you need to show up because they're already going to be there. That might be. It's no need to participate. They're going to come anyway, so, you know, let me... uh, You know, allocate my time in other places. You know what the worst for Rock was? Not 
not this not rock. That, the other rock, but okay. our rock, oh, was when he sent rock. an email to the XFL PR guy and said, hey, can we get the rock on the show? Mm-hmm. And the guy sent back an email and said he would love to join you, but he's having breakfast with Tim Bontemps that day. <laughs> 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 and Taylor Twillman showed up late. Oh. <laughs> We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. That's an inside joke. We're trying to get Tim Bontemps from ESPN on the show. He never responds. And the rock never. We never hear from the rock either. So our producer, Matthew, gets upset. He, he takes it as a personal affront to himself that these people don't respond to him. Three things we loved about the weekend are coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, what did we love about the weekend? Guys, I really love the fact that a 13-year minor league veteran Drew Maggi, Drew Maggi of the Pirates was called up. He had played in more than 1,100 minor league games, 1,155 to be exact, had never made it to the majors, but Brian Reynolds got hurt for the Pirates over the weekend, and so the Pirates called Drew Maggi up. He was able to make his major league debut. A guy that sticks to it like that, that keeps pounding the rock, that finally makes it. Those are the stories that I love about sports, and I, I loved seeing that this weekend. You fight out. You fight it out that long, and and finally get an opportunity. It's a, an amazing thing, and it's just a true testament to, you know, continuing to work hard and never giving up. And yeah, it, it, good for him. Congratulations to him. I'm sure his family was excited about his first opportunity to get there. Yeah, I I, I thought it was a really good video too. If if you haven't mm-hmm. seen that video yet, it's just so touching to see just the embrace that he got from everybody, and you could just see. What a huge moment was for him. Yeah, pretty awesome. Uh, Randy, mine is Jack Flaherty. Second quality start in a row. Six innings, nine Ks, only two walks. This is what we have been waiting for. This is what we have been needing to see. You know, we think Jack is going to be the ace of this staff, and he's he's going to have to go out there and prove it every single time. And he's going to have to limit the number of runs if this Cardinal team want, wants to win. So, you know, good for him. Good job for the Cardinals. And, and hopefully we see more of that, you know, each time out. I thought, yeah, I thought he was great this weekend, even though, of course, we saw what happened in the second inning, but he was able to really settle in, which is what you like to see from Jack. And I thought it was a really good game for him where it gave the offense enough of kind of like a runway to get going there and to come back in that game and also just finishing off in the way they did. So I thought it was a really good game for him. So my number three thing, and it's always hard to see, you know, when a former player goes off and does great things, but how can you not root for Ryan O'Reilly and the Maple Leafs right now? He got the Gordie Howe hat trick Saturday with a goal assist and a fight, and he helped the Maple Leafs win 4-3 to in overtime, and now they hold a 2-1 to series lead going into the game tonight. I don't know. I It's hard to see most guys go off and be successful, but for Ryan O'Reilly, you know what Toronto means to him being from that area, and just to see him being successful, it made me happy. And along those lines, Brooke, my number one is not his fight, which was great, but the fact that you had two of the biggest stars in the sport, Steven Stamkos of Tampa and Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs, getting into a little rumble 
towards the end of that game. 3-2 lead for Tampa. Matthews and Stamkos get into it at the 5-0-4 mark over the third. O'Reilly fights against Kucherov, too. you got four of the biggest stars in the game getting into a little brawl in a playoff game in the NHL. That's what the NHL needs more of, is their stars getting into fights. And it was really cool to see Stamkos and Austin Matthews go at it on Saturday night. That's what makes playoff hockey so exciting, mm-hmm. is you get those guys to, to get engaged in those type of events. Seeing guys, you're, like you said, your stars, that, that means that much. They're going to throw their hands with one another. You are engaged when you see that happening as a hockey great. fan. Uh, Randy, my number one, Aeneas Williams and myself were asked to present the game ball prior to the XFL Battlehawks game this Saturday to Coach Anthony Beck. We went out on the field, uh, were able to present him the game ball, and and it was just an exciting moment for my former teammate and Anthony uh, to be there with Aeneas, a great friend, a great man, um, to present that ball to Anthony and, and to the Battlehawks for the season that they had. Unfortunate that they didn't make the playoffs, um, but they did an outstanding job, and A.J. McCarron was balling. He was great. <laughs> he was yeah. balling. So, you know, great game. Great uh, great fight by those guys. Unfortunately, didn't pan out the way they wanted it to. But hats off to them for, for the excellent season that they had this year. They did everything they yeah. were supposed to do, and then the rock didn't come through. Yeah. I didn't like that. Well, my number one has to be watching Nolan Gorman continue his great season. I mean, we all see what he's doing. It, at this point, it feels like it's going to be kind of – I mean, a given that he'll be an all-star, especially if he can keep this up. He's just really clutch in big moments, and we're seeing that consistently out of him. And, I mean, six home runs, 22 runs driven in so far. He's hitting 313, 397 on-base percentage, OPS well over 1,000 right now. How can you not love what he's doing? I mean, he is – and then that's what I'm saying is – you know, having, you know, these big home runs, that's great. But the the timing that he's doing it is so huge for the Cardinals right now. And I think it's really cool that the Cardinals showed patience with him, showed confidence in him in going to him last year and saying, hey, we aren't, we aren't trading you. And then that confidence bears fruit like it it, it has been offensively for, for Nolan Gorman. You got to give him credit for his offseason as well. The work that he did the, the to be able to come back and have the type of success that he's having right now is just a testament to guys, you know, taking the information that they're given in the offseason and implementing it into their game and becoming better, doing the things that, that the staff and the management is asking them to do to be the best version of themselves. And, and it is bearing fruit at this moment. And Offensively, the Cardinals are going to be fine. They're they're going to score runs. I know that it's a roller coaster ride route right now, but they're going to be fine, and they're going to score a bunch of runs. By the way, Gorman, twenty fourth in Major League Baseball, average exit velocity of ninety three point six mph, and that's second on the team after Goldie uh, for the Cardinals. So th- that's three things we loved about the weekend here on one hundred and one ESPN. Coming up. Our friend Greg Warren, a great local comedian, has a new special out. Greg's going big time on us, I think. But he's still kind enough to join us here in studio, here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed 
guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I went to the doctor. It was a good doctor. And he gave me some pills and it didn't work. And I went to like two more doctors. They gave me pills, gave me tests. Nothing worked. And I started getting depressed. And my friend was like, hey, you should go see a holistic doctor. I'm like, oh. (laughs) You talking about like, woo. I'm not going to see a witch, okay? And then my stomach hurt for six more weeks, and I was like, I'm going to see the witch. And, and I went, and like, I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been to a witch before. Right off the bat, it was different. She goes, call me by my first name. Call me Dr. Olivia. I was like, that does not sound official to me. Like, if I was in court and I heard for the prosecution, district attorney, Randy, I'd be like, no, no, this guy, this guy is not a real prosecutor. You know? Oh, come on, no. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering why you picked that clip, because it's not like... Now I get it. Yeah. Warren. <laughs> why? Because I you're just... You're, taking, you're like Chris Coffey over there. You're taking shots at me all the time. I was like, why did they pick this one? And I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. Okay, yeah, you've yeah. got a, a new video out on, on YouTube. You've got to tell us about it, because I watched it over the weekend, and I, I was laughing uproariously. Oh, it. It thanks. It's, uh, it's my new comedy special. It's called The Salesman, uh, and it's uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, there's a guy named Nate Bargatze who's kind of a mm-hmm. he's killing it as a stand-up comic now, um, selling out arenas. And Nate decided he wanted to produce uh, two or three comedy specials and put them on his YouTube channel. And uh, this is the second one, and uh, pretty proud of it. Uh, talk a lot about peanut butter, which I've uh, discussed yes. with you guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah, I sent you a picture yesterday, did I not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy sent me some peanut butter pictures and. Uh, I I don't get I'm trying to think if I talk about sports at all in there, man. Uh, I don't not as much. You guys know I I I wrestled. You know mm-hmm. I was uh, yeah I was pretty good at Missouri. I was good. I, it didn't start that well. Uh, <laughs> I my freshman year we had wrestled Northern Iowa, and um, it was it was they were good. They were like three in, three in the country or something. And I just had a bad match. I like I ran out of gas. And I, in the third period, I just couldn't move. I just could not. I was on the bottom, and I was just laying on the mat. And the ref <laughs> starts making fun of me. He's like, the ref. He, the ref. He was like, and there was a huge crowd. And he was like, "Are you okay down there, son?" And the, the crowd starts laughing like it's a Def Jam show or something. I'm like, this guy's killing. Okay, my coach has. He never let me forget that. If I had one bad practice. Warren, that reminds me of when you laid down at Northern Iowa. I heard that. That reminds me when you laid down at Northern Iowa. Even if I had a good practice, Warren, you got after it today. Good job. Bunner, you sucked. You remind me of when 
Warren lay down in Northern Iowa. Like, and he always said, he said reminded. Like, I don't think he needed to be reminded of it. It was always on his mind. Like, it was, I think every morning the alarm clock went off and he's like, I better not lay in bed like Warren did in Northern Iowa. You want pancakes, Wes? Uh, they're going to lay there on that plate like Warren did in Northern Iowa. That dog doesn't want to go for a walk. He's laying on the concrete like, how to name that dog Warren at Northern Iowa. I mean, I, like, I, I'm not married. I've never been married. I'm worried if I do, I, I'm terrified of that that part where they're like, uh, speak now or forever hold it. Warren laid down in Northern Iowa. Don't marry you Warren. Sure? He's going to lay down on you and your marriage like he did at Northern Iowa. Gray, how, how, so for me, wrestling is one of the toughest sports in conditioning wise so when you're laying there you really are out of gas like there is nothing left to give as much as mentally you want to give it your body just says no yeah i can't i you know i think i cut my weight wrong back okay. I mean, we were cutting crazy <laughs> yeah, weight back yeah. then and i was a freshman and i didn't really know how to Energy do it the zapped. right way and yeah. i was and then i was getting i mean the guy was good he was yeah. killing me and i didn't want to get pinned so you're just like <laughs> you're just trying not to go over it there's a thing called stalling in wrestling it's basically like you're not you're just you're being not very, you're like being very defensive Iowa. you're yeah. shutting it down yeah. and uh and you know you get hit like i think it's like warning one point one point <laughs> two points disqualification and i think they might have hit two points at one point. <laughs> and i'm like yeah i know man and they're, they're the crowd's just like you're stalling i'm like yeah we all know we all know that <laughs> yeah, yeah. well we know mizzou's history with wrestling i mean tiger style is yeah like Brooke, look i do you. know i look do know you. yeah yeah i do know I, well there's been a lot of well-known mizzou wrestlers and now you as well you're on top of that list right uh, I mean, it, not in the wrestling sense. <laughs> I mean, I was good. I was good. But I, my, now they, they're like, they took fifth this year. They're perennially a top 10 team. Oh, I think so good. If you look at next year going in like returning points, they're probably the second ranked team in the nation. Wow. Next year. They had a national champion, this kid, Keegan O'Toole, uh, who's he's, he's back next year. He's only a, a sophomore this year. Two-time national champ. Yeah, they're great, man. I, I I love Mizzou wrestling. It's Mizzou wrestling and Cardinal baseball for me, and I'm in on all of it. And I just gotta. Randy is is what's what's going on right now? Is he are they? Because I went to a couple games Playing already. Yeah, what's that? They're playing possum. They're laying down yeah. like northern. <laughs> no, I just I just feel like maybe stalling. Yeah, yeah I feel like. Because when I was there, I'm like, these guys are they're crushing the ball, and it's going right at good fielding. And I'm wondering, is part of it bad luck? Part of it is bad luck. Yeah. And you hate to say that. Yeah. That's the ultimate excuse. Yeah, it's bad. But part of it is. And they, they just look kind of disjointed. They just don't look right. They don't look like a unit. But we'll get to Memorial Day, and they'll kick in, and they'll, they'll, they'll win 93, 94 games, and they'll win their division. I love to take, you know, it's fun now because we're all just up in arms, but they'll be fine. Oh, yeah, man. People. Yeah, yeah. I my, my dad's ready to fire the manager and Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. All, all of that. All of oh, that's yeah, what's going on. Yeah. 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 I wish people could see because you're decked out right now. You have Cardinals, you have a Mizzou shirt underneath, and then you have City SC a hat on. Yeah, I'm a fan. I gotta get you one. Do you have a one on one ESPN shirt? I don't think so. You better man. take care of that today. Yeah, man. So, yeah. So the name of the, the video uh of the 
special is uh, The Salesman. Just go to YouTube and Google Greg Warren, The Salesman. And there is a lot in there about Greg's former life as a peanut butter salesman. I didn't realize how much latitude they gave you in actually going out and making deals. But here's one of the deals that Greg Warren was able to put together. Really? Seriously? You'd... I mean, I mean it, it, just so you know, like the main size in peanut butter, that's 18 ounce, okay? That's where the deals are. That's where the wars are fought. That's where we go head to head, you know? There's a 28 ounce, there's a 40 ounce, but the deals are, they're, they're 18 ounce. And like, if you went to Kroger right now and you bought an 18 ounce jar of Jif, it would probably cost you about 319. You know, back to school, maybe two for three. If that happens, stock up. It's not coming around for another year. I like, I ran a deal one time, Columbus, Ohio, 200 Kroger stores, 18-ounce Jif, 99 cents. Yeah, 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 I did that. It'll never happen again. Never, never. Even the bad moms bought Jif that week. Mama, this peanut butter tastes better. Don't get used to it, boy. I ain't giving up cigarettes, and I ain't giving up Red Bull. So when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, Randy, I, I was... Part of some pretty big stuff over there. <laughs> the, the, the company was Procter and Gamble that owned Jif. They don't own Jif anymore. Mm-hmm. You guys know who owns Jif? Smuckers. No. Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. How did you I, know I learned that? that from you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Smuckers. <laughs> I, didn't know. I was Smuckers. like, what a yeah, random yeah. fact. <laughs> Smuckers owns peanut butter and jelly. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. If these guys. Ever get a hold of bread? I mean, you know, now the government will step in. You know, that's an that's illegal a monopoly. Yeah, that's Sherman antitrust. Yeah. You can't own a whole sandwich. No. Uh, but uh, guess what? This is this is huge news, and you guys are the first one to hear it. Well, maybe one other station that has a, a Randy's enemy on it. Uh, but uh, I, I I got word uh, yesterday. Special came out Friday. Guess who watched the special? Who? Mark Smucker. The CEO Smucker's what? And he liked it. Really? Yeah, I got awesome. Yeah, I found out yesterday. Yeah, Mark Smucker. That's great. I was listening to the stand up watching it and and you had a uh, a guy in your life, Freddie DeMarco, that 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 taught you, (laughs) told you many things, and he still is in your head, right? You hear his voice every now and then, correct? Yeah, I I texted with him. Yeah, he's he he owned this club Deja Vu in uh, Columbia, Missouri. That's where uh, I started doing comedy. Okay. And uh and he was he he's been yelling at I me mean, since I was 18 years old. I'm yeah. sure you've had one of those guys. Yes. But when I, I was going to be a comedian when I, when I got out of college, you mm-hmm. know, and I thought, I thought, and Freddie was going to take care of me. He like got me a job in Chicago and he, he was going to get me sort of into the Chicago comedy scene. And mm-hmm. I chickened out. I don't know. I just, I, you probably understand. I was used to that structure yeah. of athletics yeah. my whole life. And I just like, I don't, I don't taking a right. chance on something yeah, different. Yeah, so I, 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 yeah, so I, uh, I chickened out and took a job at Procter, but I had to tell Fred. Yeah, you know, and I, it was a terrible phone call. I was like, Freddie, listen, I, uh, I took a job at Procter. Man, well, Craig, what are you doing, man? I mean, <laughs> you're gonna be bored, man. You're gonna be bored. You're, I mean, I just fell asleep between the words Procter and Gamble. I'm like, no, <laughs> Freddie, it's a good job. They gave me a company car. Yeah, they give you a company car, right? That's how they're gonna trick you into being bored, man. You want you want to sell soap for the rest of your life? I'm like, I'm not selling soap. I'm selling 
peanut butter. <laughs> oh, why do you say so, Greg? I mean, that's a lot of excitement right there. Here, I thought you were going to not have fun, but you're selling peanut butter, Greg. I mean, think all the possibilities. You got creamy one day, crunchy the next day. Greg, Greg, put a gut in your mouth and get it over with. Get it over with, Greg. Get it over with. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that, was, that was when I was 20 years old or something. Hey, but it all panned out, right? Because it led you to this moment. Yeah, yeah. Being on the opening drive. Exactly. This exact moment. Opening opening drive right now. So is this is this the the comedy that you're most proud of. You've had a long and illustrious career, but I thought your stuff was great. Oh, and thanks, I always thought your stuff. But is this how proud of you are of this? Are you? I, I like it. You know, I mean, I, I've I think like anybody, you you sort of go through changes and stuff. And I, I like a lot of the older stuff too. But I kind of um, I don't. Know, I feel like this maybe this holds together as an hour. It's 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 pretty quick paced and it's f- yeah. full of jokes. And I got to. I w- I've been trying to talk about Procter & Gamble for, for 20 years. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it funny. And over the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to figure that out. And I'm going to, I've always wanted to talk about Freddie. Because yeah. he's a b- big part of my life. And I, I thought and that I, was hilarious. Oh, thanks, man. Great. Thank you for I, I, no, I was falling. That. I was dying laughing. And then I, you know, I went through all this <laughs> stomach stuff and health stuff mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. And there's a woman in... O'Fallon, who is a she's a holistic doctor, Mo do- Fallon, Doctor Mo <laughs> Fallon, Doctor <laughs> Olivia Joseph, and she changed my life. And it, like, awesome. and I make fun of him. Like, uh-huh. I mean, it's that place is called the Wellness Center. It's amazing. Like, it, I mean, I, I was like having all these stomach problems, and they they fixed me. Wow. But it's it's gonna cost you, Carrie. <laughs> it's gonna cost you. It is. I mean, and, and I, as soon as I walked in this place, it, it's different than a doctor's office. There's like three hot girls. And they're like, Greg Warren, it is so nice to see you. I'm like, oh, this is going to be expensive. Like, pretty girls being nice to you, that's usually very, very costly. Like, you know, like that. that uh, no, they're, they're great, man. And uh, so I wanted to talk about that. And I was like, how am I going to make that funny? I don't, I don't know how to. Yeah. So it's hilarious. Uh, thanks, man. Yeah. Great yeah. work. And we always love having you in. Uh, and you're headed to Dayton, Ohio next weekend? Uh, no, Des Moines. Des Moines. Iowa. Dayton, I was in Dayton. Dayton was last week. Yeah. Dayton. I'm working all the Des Moines. You know, the big markets. Is that, is that near Northern <laughs> Iowa? No. Why do we got to bring? I'm just wondering. I don't know why they got to bring. You, you, you never had a bad game, really? Never once. Oh, Greg, listen, I, I'm going into meetings thinking I had a stellar game, and the outcome I felt horrible. Really? Oh my God, I got ripped to shreds, dude. I got cred now because I know you. Like uh, DVE in Pittsburgh is mm-hmm. this radio station that's big. I think they carry the Steelers too. Okay, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But their morning show I've known for a long time, and I, I was texting them. I was like, Hey, man, I know, I know, I know, Carrie. <laughs> oh yeah. Man. You know what you should do is just. To, while you're there over the weekend, just you know, stop at a hotel in Cedar Falls and lay down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I, I came over here for this. I, I, I came in for this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I wish Roper. I bet you he's listening somewhere. He did, Randy. He laid down that door. That he will. I wouldn't trust him to ever get back up out of that hotel. Hey, congratulations. We always love what you do, and we appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, guys. Awesome to see you, man. Appreciate and to it. make Chris Convey's head explode when you go back, say. 
hey, Randy said hi, and he loves you, and just see what happens. Oh, I, that, that'll get him. Yeah. That, now you're playing an advanced game. Yeah. <laughs> Chestnut checkers, Greg. <laughs> Thank you very much. Greg Warren, hey, check it out on YouTube. Just uh, do, do a YouTube search for Greg Warren, the salesman. It's great, and it's a great special, and you can see it now. Don't cost nothing, so take advantage. Coming up next, take it or leave it. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. 314. You know how to do this, Greg? Have you heard? So you, you can play along. 314-399-9646. 314 399 Yo-ho! <laughs> <laughs> on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Grimsley Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! All right, kids, big news out of Miami where Marcus Jordan, the son of Michael Jordan, and Larsa Pippen are teaming up to host a celebrity basketball game ahead of the Miami Grand Prix. Take it or leave it. Michael Jordan is invited, shows up, and plays. Hey, I'll Pops. Pops my, my girlfriend and I are hosting a, <laughs> a basketball it. game. I'll leave it. Take it or think. leave it. Scotty is invited <laughs> oh, and plays. Oh, he's not going <laughs> he, to be invited or going to play. He might, he might show up and crash the party, though. I just say, the heck with it. <laughs> what celebrities will be there, I wonder? You've got uh, Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins. Okay. You've got Lil Pump. All of us in the hip-hop world know Lil Pump. Oh, yeah. Uh, Way you, you know say what? that. If I was a guy, I don't think that I would want to fancy myself. I don't. I don't want myself known as Lil Pump. Lil Pump. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah, you, you, do you? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, I'm just Big Pump. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> not, not Lil Pump. <laughs> Ex Miami offensive tackle Brian McKenney, influencer Jen Selter, and country artist Jimmy Allen all slated to participate in the game. What? I'm always That's the worst lineup by, by influence. I don't. I don't know. How do you become an influencer? And how do you? How do you? I, I, when you become an influencer, what makes you get that? Get, get that, that celebrity? Yeah. Uh, is it a number? Of, is it followers? Followers? Is it a million followers? Is it like? Because I don't oh. know who this influencer is. So are they really? Wait, who was that it? Influencer? Jen Selter. S E L. Oh, you've seen Jen Selter. You have. Yeah. She. She's like a workout girl. Um, workout influencer. Known, oh, okay. For I don't, I don't know her, but uh, so that's fine. She's so she's, like she she's been to, like really popular for a while. Okay, uh, yeah, she's uh, she's on the Insta. How about that? I think yeah, it's a bunch of followers yeah, and think. interactions yeah. and. That seems know. like a lot of work. And now you have like mm-hmm. on TikTok, you just have to be good at the TikTok dances. Not necessarily a good dancer, but a good at TikTok, TikTok dancer. So you can just do the dance that everyone else is already yes. doing, and you could blow and then up. you can become famous. Yes, that's. And be invited to their <laughs> celebrity hmm. basketball tournament. I don't. I, I'm trying to find <laughs> Jen Stelter. S e l t e r. S e l t e r. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Well, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, That's where she's from. So over the weekend, uh, Drew Smiley for the Cubs had a perfect game going and lost it in the eighth inning when his catcher, Jan Gomez, ran into him and flipped over his back. Take it or leave it. Uh, Drew and Jan got to settle that out in, in the locker room, in the clubhouse afterwards with a, a little bit of fisticuffs. Oh, I'm going to leave the fisticuffs. Well, how do they settle it? Uh... I think that there's got to be some discussion about, hey, that's my ball. You don't need to run over me. I mean, but it's the, it's a perfect game. You're I not going to get another one of those no. probably in his career, Randy. Yeah, no, yeah. Those are one and done. And we got to we gotta have a conversation, buddy. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was history. Overzealous. Way overzealous by Jan Gomes. The ball was in the hands of Smiley, and Smiley would have had the runner. If you see the long view, Smiley would have had the runner if he would have had an opportunity to throw the ball. And to his credit, Drew Smiley's credit, he smiled. Yeah, he did smile. He, he wasn't. his name. Yeah, he smiled. But I would have been a little bit irate. I think I would have Take too. it or leave it. That's the... Uh, Armando Galarraga. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's worse. Well, no, the umpire's worse. The umpire, cause the umpire, that one is worse than this one. Yeah. Because that was I the last so. out of the ninth inning, right? Yeah, the last yeah. one. Yeah, it would have been the 27th out of a perfect game. Mm. Jim Joyce, I think, was the umpire, right? Oh, now, take it or leave it, him and Jim Joyce should have fought. Uh, yeah, I'll take okay. that. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah. All right, take it or leave it. Not having the Battle Hawks in the playoffs is bad for the league and growing your brand. I will I'll 100% take, take that. Yeah, because you're going to get more eyeballs on your sport from St. Louis than anywhere else. And it just makes sense. Nobody cares in Arlington, Texas. I mean, it's a football state, but they're that's cowboy country. They don't care about spring football. We no. care about spring football. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I'll take that. I bet you even had, it, it seemed like just looking at social media last night, you had so many people watching that Seattle and Vegas game just to see if St. Louis was going to make the playoffs. I was watching. I mean, yeah, you had people watching that game. No interest really in either teams just to see if St. Louis would move on. I mean, that should tell you enough right, right there, too. Yeah, they won't have anybody watching. That's a shame. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the old text line? Take it or leave it. Nolan Gorman finishes top five for MVP in the NL. Leave it. Ooh. Going to be too much of a DH to finish top five in the MVP voting. Uh... Will he finish top five? He will probably finish top five on his own team, right? Arnado, Goldie, Walker, Contreras. He should be top five. Um, I'll take it because if he continues to hit at this pace, I think you can kind of no, not worry about the fielding numbers because there won't be many, but... You take into consideration how well he's hitting. If he's at the top of the list in home run, RBIs, and 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 OPS, you're gonna definitely consider him. No? Uh, yeah, I think you you have to. But I think the writers, unfortunately, they look at the DH thing, and yeah. so that that makes it tougher. Should there be a DH Player of the Year? You have Just to have like slugger? you have to have big poppy type numbers to do it. Take it or leave it. The only way to make sure Dylan Carlson isn't a bust is to hire Colby Rasmus's dad as his personal hitting coach. 100% take, take it. it. Yep. Take it. <laughs> yep. Although his dad's a coach. Speaking of Dylan Carlson, and we talked about him not betting, batting both ways, Tommy Edmond batted righty versus righty in that series. And then Sunday he was batting lefty again. Well, what is to that? I think it, you just pick out the pitcher. Sometimes you feel like, okay, with the way this guy throws, whether it's the release point or the velocity, Sometimes it just makes more sense to do
do it that way. Dylan Carlson going to attempt they, that at some point? I think they should do it. I, I think the Cardinals should go to him and say, look, it's just not working out lefty. And He's naturally left-handed, though, right? Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't hit better. He, he hits better right. And he started switch hitting when he was six years old. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. It's just not working. Take it or leave. The word of the day is seven because the Cardinals are 0-7 in opening series this season. Oh. Ah. <laughs> the number of the day. I say simply heaven. The number of the day is seven. Yes, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> But it doesn't matter, okay? It just doesn't <laughs> matter. Today? It just doesn't matter. Oh, God, please no. I feel like it hey, matters. If it doesn't matter to the manager, why should a manager not manage? It matters. it's really easy to win a three-game series after you lose the opener, apparently. It's us media that are really riling it up. Yeah, we're causing problems. Per usual. We're, we're causing yeah, I like how you really you slipped that in there just under the under the, under the the guard a little bit. I like that. That was impressive. Uh, take it or leave it. Ohio State is the new wide receiver you. Yeah, I got to take that. Ohio State is the new wide receiver you? Kerry, I know it's a Big Ten team. You're trying to say something good. Uh, Alabama's pretty on, good still, Alabama though. Alabama has had some. Uh, who do we give credit? Their wide receivers take too many gambles. Yeah. Who do we? Oh, <laughs> who do we oh that's of, awful. That Why did you do that? That was unnecessary. <laughs> Speaking of the St. Louis. Uh, Explain yourself to the class. <laughs> We all know James. We all know what happened with James and Williams. I know, but just in case people didn't see that. that. He got suspended for six games for uh, gambling on uh, college sports in in an NFL facility. Had some other receivers gambling on other things, too, I guess. Gambling on their lives with drag racing. Yeah. I was going to try to not let people figure that one on their own without pointing it out, but thanks, Gary. Gotcha. I'll leave that. I don't think... eh. No, I'm I'm going to leave it. In Jigba this year, Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. They've had... um, I mean, Anthony Gonzalez from, was amazing for the Colts back in the day. The guy from uh, what's Olave? Yeah. Did we say the Jets guy, the offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, yeah, Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm still going to take Alabama. Now, do we give Jamison Williams to Alabama or Ohio State? Alabama. That's a good point. Uh, he, he, yeah, I, I think of him with Alabama. Alabama he didn't play too. much at Ohio State. Okay. Not as much. No. He had some pretty good guys in front of him. Yeah, I will take right now Ohio State. Right this moment. Yep. Based off of the last two years. Yes, sir. Okay. I will still take Alabama with Calvin Ridley was pretty good. Ridley, Jameson Judy. Williams, Jalen Waddell, uh, Julio Jones. Yeah. Like, they, Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, yeah. They, they had some. And then the guy that uh, is no longer playing for the Raiders. Yeah, Ruggs. Henry Ruggs. They had some They had some guys. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line. We do appreciate them. Coming up, Cardinals have won just two of seven series, and Ali Marmol says losing the first game of the series doesn't matter to him. We'll hear that sound, and we'll give you our response next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Three in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals won their 
first series of the year against Toronto, and then they won a couple of weeks ago against Colorado in Colorado. Otherwise, they've lost every other series they've played. They're two and five in series, and zero oh and seven so far in opening games of series. The other night, Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com, asked Ali Marmol about the fact that the Cardinals have dropped the opener of each of their series this year. Yeah, waiting for you to ask. Um, we did that on the road quite a bit last year. Still won the division by quite a bit, so it uh, doesn't matter to me. I want to win them all, but as far as it being a trend or something that I'm monitoring now. I would suggest that losing seven in a row is a trend. And yes, he, he, uh, I don't, I don't have the record for the Cardinals opening on the road, but opening series on the road. Overall, they were twenty-seven and twenty-three. They were representative and gave themselves a chance to win series after the first game of series last year. You know, Randy, I was waiting for you to bring this up. Um, this is <laughs> this this was pretty interesting because I, I'm sure if you all saw the social media responses to this, they're like, "Why would you not care?" Of course you should care, right? And I get I get both ways to it. It's right after that happens. And so, of course, he's going to be frustrated. And I'm sure, too, it's, it's a lot of protecting his clubhouse, right? Because he also went on to say, you know, it's not something that we're focusing on. This is more of like a media thing that is being brought up. And we've heard that a lot. Many different coaches and managers have said that over the year. But I think for fans, when you see that it's sometimes the little things that are mounting up that are keeping them from winning these games, then people are like, well, wait a minute. Well, this is like a little detail you should be paying attention to and it's the little details that are costing you these games yeah I think you know it it is important I think you you start the series off on the right foot when you win Mm -hmm. when you lose it it puts you you know behind the eight ball you're gonna have to dig your way out to win that series obviously if you win the first game you're in front and you have a better chance of winning the series and you know they haven't won as many series as they need to because they haven't won the first game in in any of them so I think it, it it matters um does it matter to the degree that we think it does? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they don't worry about it as much. But when you're on the outside looking in, you would think that winning the first game of the series would help you obviously win that series. Well, and you covered Tony La Russa mm-hmm. a lot. How do you think that Tony La Russa would look at the first game of the series? Well, there's two things. Number one, Tony's focus every year was win every series. So winning the first game of the series was paramount for him. Here's the other thing about Tony La Russa. He not only said, I want to win every game like Ali just did, but he lived it that way. If you went to Tony Larusa at 2.30 in the afternoon and said, hey, Tony, how are you doing? He'd say, ask me at 10.30. His <laughs> entire so being was built around the W or the L next to his game. And his players knew it. The, mm-hmm. the intense, One of the reasons that Mark McGuire wanted to come here was because he didn't think he liked the intensity that Tony brought every single day. But then when he was away from it, he recognized, oh, I need this. And the, the players that love Tony LaRusso, Matt Holiday is listening right now, uh, Albert Pujols, those guys loved the constant pushing and prodding and pressure that Tony applied every single day. He had to win the game. Now, the game is different now than it was when Tony left in 2011. Players would not respond to Tony right now. But I'll say this. It's one thing for Randy Carricker to sit here with almost 40 years of radio under his belt and say it doesn't matter in October with 140 games left. Mm-hmm. But it's really bad optics for a manager of a team to say it doesn't matter to me that we lost a game. 
And that's what I was trying to figure out is maybe you had that whole Tyler O'Neill situation, right, where it got a lot of negative attention. Maybe do you think in some ways it was him trying to just be like, look, we're not we're not going to let in any of this negative energy into this clubhouse with those kind of questions or things like that. But it's also I thought it was a great question by Gould. You have to ask it because fans are wondering. It's a weird trend to one. You have yet to win the opener of a series. And then two, it kind of follows the trend of what we see kind of early on in some of the games where they kind of get behind early and then they're trying to find a way to claw them back into this game. So it's like it's two very similar but different trends where it's like what's happening early on that you're not able to just kind of start good. And it doesn't matter what the sport is. And I know this is something that you guys focused on with the Steelers getting off to quick starts, whether it's in a game or in a season. Yeah. The the great coaches, they care about that. Yeah. I mean, you could look at it in, in football. We looked at we played 16 games, so we considered it four quarters. You wanted to win you know, each one of those quarters, three and one in each one of those quarters. Now you're 12 and four at the end of the year. If you get off to a bad start to the quarter, you lose the first two games of the season. You lose the next two games of the second quarter of the season. It's going to be tough to to have a good record at the end of the year. So you definitely want to win every series. And, and the way you do that is by winning the first game of that series. And to Brooks point about the clubhouse, Ali was asked by Derek Gould about the players and how they're responding to losing the first game of a series seven times. Um, at least that's the way we think about it. It's not outside of you guys bringing it up. It's not something that Clubhouse actually is aware of. They should be. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's CD's face. If, if, if the Clubhouse isn't aware of it, then you've got a real issue. Well, if the Clubhouse isn't aware of it, then they're not talking about it and they're pretending like it's not it's non-existent. And it is, again, it's something that is real because it's happening over and over and over again. And if it's happening multiple times, then it's becoming a habit and you're creating that type of environment. So you definitely, they have talked about it. Now, whether or not they share that with us is a completely different story, but that's something that they've considered. Hey, we need to get off to a good start. Jordan, tonight, we need you to go. We need you to pick, pitch six to seven innings. We need to bats, hitters. We need to get going on these guys early so that we don't have to come from behind or or, or in a position where we got to get into our bullpen early. Mm-hmm. It is a conversation that they have had. Now, this may be, you know, management speak, you know, manager speak, where they're not trying to let us in on the the inner workings of the uh, of the of the of the, of the, of the ball club, but. It's something that they have talked about or should have at least talked about. And tell me if this would be an issue for you guys, because I don't think it would be for me. If the Cardinals had won four series rather than two, mm-hmm. I don't think it would be as much of an issue if they yeah. were able to bounce back. But the fact that they've lost five of seven series makes it a more serious issue for me. It does. Well, and then also it does allow us in the media to speculate, right? Because what does it look like in some ways, at least to the outside, because we don't know the inner workings. And I, I know these guys work really hard. I, nobody is doubting that. We know how talented this lineup is. We know how talented this team is. But what it looks like is that you're not coming in fully prepared. Mm-hmm. And that's the speculation that, of course, is going to arise, because if you're not getting off to a fast start or you're struggling coming out of the gate, what does that look like? That you weren't prepared for that start to begin with. It's just kind of, you know, dragging into the, the game or, or letting, you know, not attacking the moment and letting the game come to you. you got to go after it to, to, to start off games. And I, I think if they decide to do that, if they can couple the pitching with the hitting, they'll have a good outing. They'll, they'll have a good game. Randy, I was looking at the numbers. In their wins, they're averaging seven runs a game in their wins. That 
And that's right under 7.1. That's right under the number that we agreed upon <laughs> that they needed to be successful. Eight runs a game is what we said. And they're averaging seven in their win. So you get the pitching, you get the hitting, the timely hitting, which is starting to pick up. Then you'll start to see the best of this this team. And right now, but let, let's get a win in the in the opening series so we can just, you know, squash that whole topic. And you can also, uh, I, we talked about this a lot last week, it's almost like you could internalize a lot of that too, where if it's not something that you guys are able to work through, then that's all you think about going mm-hmm. into that, right? It's just like, okay, well, we really, really, we got to win this. We got to win this opening game or opening game of the series. And then to the point where it's like detrimental to, in the way of you're not able to just execute. And somebody texted in from the 507 saying, sense of urgency. I agree. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. It's where's that sense of urgency? to win the opening game of the series and just get kind of that bad luck yeah. out, out of the way is and, what it feels like. And Brooke, here's a fun fact for you. Tonight, immovable force against irresistible object. The Giants are 1-6 in series openers. The only series opener they won was their season opener at New York against the Yankees. Otherwise, the Giants have a record of 1-6 and six in... Oh no, they're 0-7-2. I'm sorry. They did lose their opener to the Yankees 5 nothing. So it's two teams that are 0-7 in series openers this year. That has to end tonight. Somebody's going to win. Please let it be the Cardinals. <laughs> please. Please. Yeah. please. You know, because I think it would just be nice. And also then Ollie can say to the media, see, yeah. we got it out of the way. Now you guys can't ask us about it That's anymore. what he needs to do. <laughs> yes. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to our friend, the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. A lot of great playoff action going on. And we'll hear from Kerbs next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. With Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and it's time to talk some hockey with our friend, the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber here on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, good morning. How are you? I'm awesome today. How are you today? Everything's good. I really enjoyed the other night the fact that uh, that Steven Stamkos and Austin Matthews, two of the biggest stars in the game, went at it, and it was classic. It was Braden Shen Taipaki sticking up for a teammate, and then O'Reilly gets into it with Kucherov. That was what – no, it wasn't rock'em, sock'em robots. It was just getting into it and protecting teammates. I loved the hockey that we saw the other night between Tampa and Toronto. Yeah, and we saw. I mean, we saw even fireworks yesterday with with Allmark going after Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in in the Boston game, and Randy, I, I really think in watching the first round of these playoffs here that you, these teams and the parity that exists now in the National Hockey League, I, I still think Boston is the cream of the crop this year. They they've earned that moniker until it's uh, it's taken away. And having said that, I mean for them to do what they're doing, and there hasn't been Bergeron or Krejci like that should scare the hell out of some people, but. You know, the, the reality of it is, is, to me, sometimes the difference in these teams is just the emotion. It's who's bringing it a little bit more. And you watch L.A. last night jump out to a lead. Uh, I looked at Grace and we were watching a game a little bit, and, and, and I said, uh, Edmonton's coming back in this one. This is way too early. You know, and, and that's the game. And it, it is about emotion and execution. And, um, and, and you, you have to have that. I mean, it's, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, and you, I, I say this all the time, like, we need more villains in sports, don't we? 
I mean, we just need <laughs> we need villains. I, I don't know why people get grumpy about Jordan Bennington. I think we need more villains in sports if other teams don't like your guy and stuff. So I'm all for that kind of stuff. Well, I wanted to get your thoughts on it was just great to see Ryan O'Reilly have such a good game on Saturday night. He gets a Gordie Howe hat trick with a goal assist and a fight for him. What can you say about his play? And it seems like that was just a good move for him and to be able to play for the Maple Leafs. You hate to see him go and leave the Blues, everything he's done. But it's nice to actually cheer him on and see him to be successful with the Maple Leafs, right? I was actually a little surprised, to be honest with you, after their first after the game one loss as decidedly as it was to Tampa Bay. I was surprised, you know, when I was searching the media and the postgame stuff that, you know, that we didn't hear more from him. Because to me, that's that's one of the big assets that Toronto has when it comes to this year. They've had guys that have gone into the first round. I mean, it, it's crazy when you think it's been, what, 17 years since Toronto's won a first-round playoff series, right? So, uh, like – to me, after that, like I, it's the leadership of Ryan O'Reilly that I think is going to lead him. And he doesn't have to have the C. He doesn't have the C on him. But it's just that calm, that, that, that the, the battle and what he brings. And he makes other guys around him better. So I, I think it's been good for him. And, yeah, who knows how this whole thing's going to shake out at the end of the year. There could be a long way to go. Who knows if Toronto gets past Tampa or Tampa, you know, ends up winning this series and, there's even bigger shakeups coming in Toronto. We'll have to wait and see. But so far, and, and you know, the unfortunately, the unfortunate thing, Brooke, is he suffered that hand injury. So, and he suffered it early on after the trade. That I'm not sure he really got to get as acclimated to his teammates as he would have liked, and as I think Toronto would have seen him do had he not missed, you know, 12, 13 games because of a hand injury. So uh, he, he looked. They, they traded for a Conn Smythe winner. They didn't just trade for a Stanley Cup champion. They traded for a Conn Smythe winner. And Conn Smythe winners do exactly what he did the other night. Well, and I know that you said you don't know how things are going to shake out, but I want you to tell me, do you think the Maple Leafs will make it past this first round? Finally, for them, it feels like it's been so long. And if they don't make it past this first round, how many chips are going to fall and what all is going to change in Toronto? Uh, I don't know if they're going to make it past the first round. I, I think anybody betting against the Tampa Bay Lightning would be foolish. I mean, there's they until you knock them off, right? Um, but but I do know that if they don't get out of the first round, I've got to think major heads roll in Toronto. Uh, I, I've got to think that Kyle Dubas is out. Who knows? Maybe Brendan Shanahan. Um, you know, if, if if that's the case, I don't know just how how tight those structures are. But I got to think without a doubt. Kyle Dubas went all in knowing that I think his job was on the line whether or not they made it out of the first round. So with them having a 2-1 lead, that's a that's a good start for them. And it was, a you know, and these games have been pretty and, and fairly lopsided for the most part, uh, you know, in, in, in games one and three. So we'll see how that shakes out. But the pressure that that market, that those players, that that organization feels right now, I mean, look, you go through, you go through, and you look at these teams that that have picked in the top. How many times in the top ten over the years? Man, oh man! Like, like you, you've got to start having some success, and for them not to get out of the first round. Here, my biggest question for them: 
would be do they have the goaltending to do it? Because Vasilevsky could steal that series for uh, for Tampa. So we'll see. But if, if it doesn't go, heads are going to roll in Toronto. Curves, NHL playoffs to me are, are generally the most exciting of all the major sports because anything can happen. This year, however, it feels like the Boston Bruins are, you know, the fan favorite. You talked about parody. I, I think the Boston Bruins tend to disagree with that. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on that and how they've been playing? And, and are they for sure the for sure bet to win the uh, Stanley Cup this year? Well, they're, I think they're clearly the favorite. When you set a new record for wins in the regular season in the NHL, I mean, a league that's been around for over 100 years, you, you've done something. And look, yeah, I get it. There are there's some little nuances, right? There, there's, there's no ties anymore. There's shootout wins. But there's still a lot of teams that have played since the shootout began that haven't gotten the 63, 65 wins. So that um, they, are, they have been the, just, just the cream of the crop all season long. But it is the playoffs. And you got to get some bounces, and a goaltender could come in and steal it. But Florida looks a bit overmatched. That's clear, as I mentioned. No, you know, Bergeron maybe back for Game Five, but you know, it looks like Krejci uh, um, uh, will be out. It, it just and, and they continue just to have the depth and, and go with it. But you've got to get through the rounds. Now, I do think this year, once again, and I'm wa- watching these Western Conference games. You get to the playoffs, and there's just an extra level of nastiness in the West that you just don't seem to see in the East. I don't know if you guys are seeing it or not, but the heaviness, the grinded out the battle side, you know, I, I don't know that I'm seeing that in, in Rangers, Devils. I, I don't think we're seeing it, you know, with Carolina and the Islanders. And you're seeing some physicality and some nastiness, but Boston seems to be handling Florida pretty well. In the West, my goodness, is it a totally different style. So, Whoever ends up coming out of the West is going to be battle-tested, and we'll see, and, and, and you hope they're healthy enough. But um, Boston, Kerry, you're right. They, they, they are the, the cream of the crop. And while the Tampa Bay Lightning are, you know, the team that's made it to three straight Stanley Cup finals, you've got the Colorado Avalanche that uh, seem to be picking up some steam. They're the defending Stanley Cup champs. And Boston are the ones that are trying to get back to that pinnacle. And Curbs, is interesting as we wrap up here. You mentioned last night that you thought Edmonton would come back, and lo and behold, they did. They were down 3 nothing early. But isn't it interesting that the teams that have the superstar forwards in Toronto, you've got Tavares and Marner and, and Matthews and Nylander, and obviously you've got the MVPs in Edmonton with Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, and those teams are just trying to get over the hump. It really is hard to build a great team if you have a superstar or two that are making 10 or 11 or $12 million. And maybe, like Doug Armstrong said at his end-of-season press conference, maybe the way to go is to have the kind of balance that the Blues enjoyed in 2019. Well, look at this. Look at the success the Pittsburgh Penguins have had. And look at what Sidney Crosby is making. Mm-hmm. Sidney Crosby knows that if he becomes an 11 or $12 million player, they're not going to be able to afford Latang or some other defenseman, you know, that they need. And, and look, I know, I know Pittsburgh missed the playoffs this year, but it was a hell, it's been a hell of a successful run for those guys, right? 16 straight years to the playoffs. Go, go back and, and if you just, first off, you take those two teams that, that you said. They're so top-heavy with their forwards, right, that – both teams, uh, I don't know that I, I think the downfall for both of those teams could end up being their goaltending here in these playoffs. Their, their goaltending has not been very good. And then it's the overall commitment to the defensive game. The Boston Bruins know how to win a game 2-1 to one or 1-0. One to nothing. When the Blues won the Stanley Cup, they could win a game 2-1, to 3-2, to mm-hmm. right? That is not the M.O. of Edmonton. That is not the M.O. of, of Toronto right now. And in the playoffs, you're going to have to grind some of those things out. But you're absolutely right when it, when it comes to that, Randy. You've got to have – in the cap era, 
you've got to have some level of balance. And Toronto, they're, they're trying to find a way to do it with four guys making 40% of their salary cap. That is not an easy thing to do. And in the end, and I said this, look, when, when it started to become very clear that the St. Louis Blues were going to be sellers at the deadline, I got real curious on one thing. I, I said, man, I, I felt the difference that Toronto needs to get out of the East is Jordan Bennington. Mm-hmm. You know, like does somebody yeah. make a call, make an offer for a goaltender that I fully believe in come playoff time. And uh, and I'm glad none of them did, or I'm glad uh, either the team didn't entertain those, whatever it may be, because I want them here. But the point is, is they those teams don't have the goaltending yet, and uh, and they're going to have to overcome it. But it also goes to one other quick thing here with uh, that, that Doug Armstrong said. If the, the teams that commit are 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 your skill players, when he was asked about Jordan Kyrie, he says, "Are your are those skill players willing to take five, ten points less a season to play better defensively in their own end? Are they willing to to, to take fewer points?" And Connor McDavid had a good quote the other day when somebody asked him about it. And he goes, I don't care about the points. You know, we, we got the win. And that's the attitude it takes. But it's amazing how it takes six, seven, eight, nine years in the league for these superstars to come around and realize that, isn't it? No doubt about it. Curbs, always great stuff. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have yourself a great week. Enjoy the playoffs, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have an awesome week of three. Thanks. See you later. That is the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, Chris Kerber. We've got the fight coming up and we need a fighter to have a fight. We don't have one yet. So just send in your request. All you need to do is text the word fight to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. If you would like to fight against me, you can next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Tony. Tony, how you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, ready to uh, ready to take a win home. Okay, I, I love the confidence. I love when. Now we'll ask you at the end of this fight how you feel. So hopefully you still feel as confident as you do at the beginning of it. But we will see. I hope so. All Usually right. when I'm listening, I don't feel so good after all the questions, so uh, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. All right. Which NL, NL Central team drafted Paul DeYoung in the 38th round of the 2014 draft a year before the Cardinals selected him? Was it the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Chicago Cubs, or the Cincinnati Reds? Pirates. There are only two, two 12 RBI games in Major League Baseball history, both by the Cardinals. Jim Bottomley was the first in September 16th of 1924. Who was the other completing the feat on September the 7th of 1993? Bernard Gilkey, Greg Jeffries, or Mark Witten? Ooh, um, let's just go with Jeffries. I have no idea. Despite all their success, the Warriors trio of Steph, Clay, and Draymond sit third in postseason wins for a trio. Which Western Conference trio holds the record with 126? Is it the Rockets with Akeem, Drexler, and Kenny Smith? The Spurs with Duncan, 
Ginobili and Parker, or the Lakers with Kareem, Magic, and Cooper? Hmm. Let's go with the Spurs. They did it so long. Which quarterback is the Rams for it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Which quarterback <laughs> is the? I lost my voice for a second. I'm like Morgan Wallen. Uh, which quarterback is the Rams franchise all-time leading passer? Mark Bulger, Vince Ferragamo, or Jim Everett? Hmm. I want to say Everett. Bulger played for quite some time. Let's go with Let's go with Everett. All right, we will double check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Tony, how do you feel after this fight? You listen to many of them. How do you feel in person? Yeah, uh, horrible per usual. Really? Mm. Okay. Oh yeah. Not as yeah. confident I mean, as you I came in. Good, yeah, yeah, maybe I got some good guesses in there. I guess we'll see. <laughs> Randy is uh coming in. He's Got a, for what you, color? What kind is that? That is uh, orange raspberry, sir. See, I, you notice oh. I said color. I don't ask yeah. what flavor. Uh-huh. It's just a. Uh-huh. Trust me. It's Thank a. You. Is, that, is, is that officially orange? That's orange. Okay, yeah, good. There you go. Orange. orange raspberry. This is the uh, <laughs> Propel Immune Support. Oh, well, you're you're feeling healthy over here. Uh, my, my immune system is just rocking and rolling uh, today. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Tony. Tony, good morning. How you doing? Good. Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, ready? Ready. All right, which NL which NL Central team drafted Paul DeYoung in the 38th round of the 2014 draft a year before the Cardinals selected him? NL Central, and he was drafted out of Illinois State. So I'm going to go with the Cubbies. There are only two 12 RBI games in Major League Baseball history, both by the Cardinals. Jim Bottomley was the first on September 16, 1924. Who was the other completing the feat on September 7, 1993? I think that would have been hard-hitting Mark Witten that would have accomplished that feat. One of the better nicknames, I think. Yeah, he should have been great. He was he had every tool in the book, in the toolbox. I guess you don't put tools in a book. You put every tool in a toolbox. Yeah. So he had. If you're a, not using the book, you could yeah. just like carve it out for storage. Yeah, that, I think his problem was is that he didn't use books much. Oh, that's not great. Oh. Randy, despite all their success, the Warriors trio of Steph, Clay, and Draymond sit third in postseason wins for a trio, which Western Conference trio holds the record with 126. Western Conference trio of players together. Yep. So we're talking like Magic Cream Worthy, Magic Cream Scott, Magic Cream uh, Michael Thompson. Um, so it's it, I have to pick from all of those trios you, in the history of the game. You can also pick options if you'd like, because <laughs> we can't give you any information, sir. But you hmm, do have interesting. a chance for an option. Well. Why don't I do the options All then? All right, here you go. You got the Rockets of Akeem, Drexler, and Kenny Smith. No. The Spurs with Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili. And the Lakers with Kareem, Magic, and Cooper. I got to go with the Spurs simply because they played a lot more rounds and they were really good for... So it's, again, Parker, Ginobili, Duncan. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll go with the, the Spurs simply because they played more rounds. And the Lakers... We're kind of a 1980 to 1990 thing. The Spurs were like 1998 to the, the, the mid-2000s. So I, I'm going to go with the Spurs. 
Which quarterback is the Rams' franchise all-time leading passer? In terms of? Yards. The all-time leading passer in terms of yards for your Los Angeles slash St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. Oh, okay, what you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of yards, is it still Mark Bulger? Um, Kurt it's not Kurt he just didn't play long enough Bulger had some big gears um, and it was you know Harris Ferragamo Bob Waterfield that gang I'll I'll go with uh, our guy Mark Bulger not Sam Bradford (laughs) no he led the league in check downs I'm sure yeah Mm -hmm. not yards easily this was a close fight right off the bat to start the week. Does Randy start with a win, or does Tony slide in for a Monday and win this one? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Tony, you beat Randy today 3-2 to two in the fight. You, I know you weren't feeling confident, but you had good reason to do. Three is always a magic number when it comes to the fight. Congratulations today, Tony. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully we can ease up a little bit tomorrow, guys. Oh, come on now. Let's go through those questions. You got three of them right. Which NL Central team drafted Paul DeYoung in the 38th round of the 2014 draft the year before the Cardinals? It was the Pittsburgh Pirates. There are only two 12 RBI games in Major League Baseball history, both by Cardinals. It is Jim Bodley and then, of course, hard-hitting Mark Witten. I love that name so much, who did it in 93. Despite all their success, the Warriors trio of Steph, Clay, and Draymond sit third in postseason wins. The leading one is... The Spurs of Duncan, Parker, and Ginobili. Number two is Kareem, Magic, and Michael Cooper. And the deciding question today, which quarterback is the Rams franchise all-time leading passer? It is Jim Everett, 23,758 yards over Mark Bolger, 22,814. So Tony gets a win in the fight today, 3-2. Tony, congratulations. Thank you for so much for joining the fight today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, see you guys tomorrow. Thank you, Tony. Tony with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Cardinals lose two of three over the weekend in Seattle, getting ready for a four-gamer against the Giants. We've got Birdwatch next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. All right, what are we seeing about the Cardinals from the weekend and as they move ahead? Bird Watch, first bird. Brooke, what do you got? Well, I talked about him earlier, but I feel like he deserves to be talked about a lot. And that's going to be Storman Nolan Gorman. No. I'm going to give everybody a nickname I at like this, this point. We you know, nicknames. I, I like good nicknames. And I feel like it's deservedly so because he was able to break a three-all tie in the fourth inning we saw yesterday. But the way that he is consistently able to help the Cardinals in very big key moments is what's standing out to me. A lot of these guys, you know, will have home runs 
you know, different things like that. But you remember his moments because it changes the course of the game. And to me, if he keeps this up, how do you not make him an all-star? He's having an all-star caliber season thus far. Six home runs, 22 runs driven in. He's hitting 313, 397 on-base percentage, OPS well over 1,000 right now. I mean, how can you not like every little thing that he's doing? He's been terrific. And the Cardinals thought during spring training that he would be. They thought before the season started that he would be. He hits the ball hard. uh, Second hardest average exit velocity on the team. And when he hits them, they go. And this is what the Cardinals talked about when they brought him through the system. And he's delivering. And I'm with you. He is right now. If you were going to have a big three offensive players on the Cardinals, it would be Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Gorman rather than Wilson Contreras. And I, I honestly like, too, the lineup that they had yesterday. I know that we're kind of monitoring how things are going with Brendan Donovan as he's dealing with that. It's a leg infection that he's mm-hmm. still getting over. But either way, I really like the lineup yesterday and the way that, that Ollie was able to kind of switch things around. Because, you know, he said he liked to have Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and then Wilson Contreras. But he did switch things up, putting Nolan and Gorman in between Goldie and Arnado, and I thought that was a great move, and it paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, Brooke, you're talking about Nolan is is performing really well, fifth in OPS, uh, second in RBIs in the National League. He's he's done an outstanding job, and and I do agree. If things continue on this pattern, uh, he hopefully should be a, a an All Star. I like that bird. My uh, <laughs> my good one. Uh, mine is Jack Flaherty. We talked about the the necessity of the pitchers to give you quality starts, to give you innings, to not have to dig into the bullpen so that they are you know thrown out there for multiple innings, multiple days in a row. Jack Flaherty going six innings the other day, yesterday, five hits, three earned runs, and struck out nine. I think that's the that's one of the key stats, but the. The most important stat was he only had two walks. We know the first game of the year, it was a no-hitter, but he had seven walks. The next game, he gave up six walks. Those numbers coming down in terms of just not really trying to be perfect around the plate, allowing the balls to be put in play, and and allowing your fielders to do their job. I think that's one of the key components for him to have success. But the strikeouts, I love to see, and and obviously the walks going down, you really love to see that as well. Yeah, I... Think that he's going to be the ace. The Cardinals are playing 353 ball when he doesn't start. They're playing 409 ball, which isn't great. They're four games under 500 when he does start. But he is the ace of the staff, and I don't. I don't think there's any doubt about it that if you were to play a playoff series, and hopefully they'll be able to play a, a playoff series. But Jack Flaherty is your number one starter. I don't think there's any question at all that if he stays healthy, he's going to be the guy for the Cardinals in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I agree. And guys. <laughs> I look at the schedule. Seattle was a playoff team last year. They they were a really good team. The Cardinals have had, relative to everybody else, a tough schedule this year. Fourth toughest schedule so far in Major League Baseball. Things do lighten up a little bit. Once they get through this road trip and start May, you've got the Angels here for a three-game series. Then the Tigers come to town. Then you go to Chicago. And that might wind up being big for the Cardinals. Then you go to Boston for three. And then you've got Milwaukee and the Dodgers here. But then you wind up May with the Reds, the Guardians, and the Royals. So... May is going to be a key month for the Cardinals. At the end of May, they need to be at 500. And then, like Tony Lewis always used to say, once you get to 500, and you don't even think postseason until you're at 500, and then you key in on plus 5, plus 10, plus 15, plus 20. I always go back to this. The key for the Cardinals is going to be to be in the hunt and not waste these opportunities 
the month of May before you get to Memorial Day. If they're in the hunt on Memorial Day and they get their starting pitching to kick in, which it will, and their offense to be what it should be, which it will, then they're going to be fine. But they can't let this month of May coming up slip away without getting piling up a bunch of wins and getting to 500. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think we all know that this team is capable of stringing together more wins than what they're doing right now. I think that sometimes, I was thinking about this this weekend, I think sometimes we forget that there's a gray area, even in sports and in life, right? I think that nowadays everything is extremes. You have to be extreme one side, extreme the other side. I think that you can look at this right now and say, okay, there's a lot of games that are not great, but at the same time, know that this team is talented. It is really talented, and they will come together. There is a lot of games. Do you like what you see right now? No, but I think we all know that they're capable of more. It's just a matter of when that will click, and hopefully, as you say, May will be a big month for, month for him, even June. I mean, look at, I brought this up to you earlier. June 1st, the Phillies had a 22-29 and 29 record. That, year, and we yeah. know what we know what yeah last season and we know how they were Atlanta twenty four and twenty seven on June first won the World Series so yeah it's it's not how you start but it's how you finish and once you get to the playoffs as Philadelphia showed us last year in going to the World Series as Atlanta showed us the year before as well I don't I don't really count the COVID season but then you you go to the the Nationals you go to twenty eighteen. Uh, with the Dodgers. It's not the team that is necessarily the best team that wins the World Series or goes to the World Series. It's the team that's playing best. And that's what you need to do. You need to build your game incrementally throughout the course of the season. It is about how you start series, though. Let's win one of those. Oh, yeah. Let's, if, let's win the, the opening game of a series. Yeah, 0-7. And, and the Giants are 0-7 in the openers of series as well. So Somebody's O got to go. Yes. That's <laughs> a, I, I was going to say somebody's got to lose. I like your positivity there. That's right. Somebody, somebody's got to win. And yes. hopefully it'll be Jordan Montgomery. And it's an inter- the, tonight will be an interesting game because, and this will be an interesting series, the Giants don't have the talent that the Cardinals have. But the Giants are a very well fundamentally drilled team. They they play good clean baseball, and the Cardinals to this point have been sporadic in their ability to play good clean baseball in terms of running the bases, fielding, things like that. I'll be really interested to see how this plays out. What does talent win out, or do the Cardinals get their fundamentals going, or does a really good solid fundamental team like the Giants does their fundamental play win out? Hmm. Uh, yeah, that will be interesting to see. Either way, we just want to see the Cardinals finally get over this hump of just just start a series out with a win. Yeah. I think we'll start to once that happens. I feel like it will be a huge sigh of relief, kind of like that moment with Wilson Contreras when he was finally able to kind of get things rolling offensively. Yeah. Yeah. Just that big, just exhale. They need a sweep. Let, let, let's go for that. Okay. Win the first one. Yeah, you got to win the first one though. Yeah. Let's get that first one. <laughs> that not, is key to this week. I'm not, I mean, yes. I'm not it's early. true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not okay with the Cardinals team going into a series just being like, "Yeah, we don't play as fundamentally good baseball as this team." You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose that battle. That's an that's a disconcerting, but honest. But their players thing are way have better. to give up. Yeah, the Cardinals they are, are better. But the fact I, that it's the little things that you're gonna they could potentially lose out in, in a series against the Giants. It just that statement is is bothersome after years of of. You know, except for what three or four years where they were really kind of not a good defensive team. Yeah, and interestingly, the Giants—you wouldn't think that Farhan Zaidi, their president of baseball operations, and Gabe Kapler would evolve. You would think that they were hung up on the analytics. It's amazing how those guys have realized 
that analytics aren't the be all end all and that you win because you win. And it's you, you find ways to win games and you have good players. It was interesting. There was a great interview this weekend uh, on ESPN of Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker just talking about baseball and two guys that couldn't be more far away mm-hmm. from the analytics movement, but they're just logical and they have an understanding of how baseball has been won for 150 years and how it's going to be won for the next 150 years. And it's not through numbers, it's through players making plays. I think, exactly. I think analytics has a, has a place, but it shouldn't, as you said, be the, the end-all, be-all. It shouldn't be the one thing that you lean on in a certain circumstance Said this is going to happen because the numbers said, no, it's not. <laughs> That's not mm-hmm. how sports work. It, it, it happens in different ways depending on who's on the mound, who's batting, the type of feeling that they have in that moment. Some people aren't as clutch in moments versus other people. So all of those things matter more than the numbers can tell you what exactly is going to happen. That's your bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, it was a busy weekend. We've got the Rush Hour Reset coming your way next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. I don't know about you guys, but when the Cardinals win, I want to talk about it. It's 9.03, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Time for the Rush Hour Reset. The Cardinals salvaged the finale in Seattle yesterday, 7-3. to three. Got things started early on with the subject of Brooke Grimsley's fan club, Lars Nootbar. So they've won the series. The Cardinals try to salvage game three. And Lars Nootbar waits and drives the first one a mile high to right. That's how you start a ball game. I'll lead off home run. There you go. That got the, uh, the what are the names of the New- Well, the Nutty Neuters nutty of Newt Neuters. Nation. Of Newt Nation, yeah. So Say every, that five is. times fast. Try it. Nutty neuters of Newt Nation, 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 Nutty Neuters of Newt Nation. There you go, Randy. Oh my gosh. Wow. You're okay, you can join the club. You can join the club now. I'm honored. Uh, I'm honored. (laughs) The Cardinals took a two-nothing lead. Seattle came back, took a three-two lead. Cardinals tied it on a Tyler O'Neill single to center field in the third, and then in the fourth. With Kisner aboard and Newt aboard, Nolan Gorman snapped the 3-3 tie. Nolan Gorman up with two outs. This is where he's been destructive. Swing, fly ball, belted right center field. Gorman does it again. He was terrific yesterday. He gave the Cardinals the lead that they would have for good, but they weren't done with the damage. Paul DeYoung is back, baby. A couple of hits in this one for DeYoung. He singled twice. High fly ball. That's hammered deep left center field. Rodriguez back and is gone. Paul DeYoung with a three-hit return has gone deep in Seattle. And Paul DeYoung now leading the National League in OPS at 1.5, hitting 750 on the season. Jack Flaherty gets the win. Six innings. He allowed three runs, all earned on five hits. Struck out nine and just walked a couple and threw 104 pitches in those six innings. And it looks like Flaherty is back in terms of being the strikeout pitcher that he was in 2021. Do you have any concern? I mean, you have the lead. You're up 2-0. Flaherty gives up a home run, gives up a single to to Wong, double to Crawford. Uh, and then you you get a, you, you walk a guy, and now your your base is loaded. Do you have any concern about 
Cardinal pitchers having the lead and allowing teams back into games in the manner in which they have a few times this season? I don't because, and I think you'll appreciate this part of it, the Mariners were a playoff team last year, mm-hmm. and they're getting paid too. Okay. They get paid to play. Yeah. That, that's I, I can understand that. And, and I, I think my issue is, I think of like uh, Bob Gibson said, I just, just you got me one, that one is enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want that mindset from, from my pitching staff. One run, and we should win. Like I, I don't as a starting pitcher, I don't want to give up anything. I don't want to walk guys. I want, I don't want to give up home runs. You know, uh, to batters early in the in the inning. I want guys to go up there with the mindset: we're getting out of this inning. It'll be a clean inning every inning. I step on the mound. Gibby could do that, and then because of him, they changed the rules and lowered the mound hmm. so that they could have more runs scored. He yes. messed it up for everybody. <laughs> it's all oh, on him. It's his fault. <laughs> I, it is. I just think that Jack is trending in the right direction. You have to like what you see from him and the way that he's going yeah and you're talking about the second inning there you don't like to see that but the way that he was able to settle in afterwards that's better than just letting it snowball which it could which we've seen with some starting pitching where it just snowballs and gets worse from there but I like that he gave the Cardinals offense a chance to really kind of get fired up even more and And it feels like that's what they need sometimes yeah they a little urgency we used that word earlier I think you're exactly right Brooke so the Cardinals uh, win it by a score of 7-3, to three, by the way, thanks to Bally Sports and Chip Carey and Brad Thompson for the calls. And the Cardinals are in fourth place in the division. It's not great so far. And Albert Pujols was on Fox 2 with Martin Kilcoin. And Marty asked about this slow start for 2023. I watched a highlight here and there. You know, obviously they're, they have a slow start, but I think they're going to put things together. They have too many great players and too many talent, you know, in that clubhouse not to figure it out. And I know... People in San Luis probably are panicking, you know, what happened with the Cardinals. I mean, guys, this is only 15 games into the season. I mean, you still got five and a half months, and I think they're going to put it together. They have too, too many great players, too many great leaders in that clubhouse, and I think, you know, it just, it's just a tough, tough month and tough start, you know. And I agree with Albert. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to disagree with him. No, I, I mean... I agree. It is. I, here's my problem. I, I agree to a certain degree, to a certain extent. But when you always say it's still early, mm-hmm. it gets early late. Yes, soon. it does. So <laughs> it's gonna be late, and you're no longer gonna be able to say, "Oh, it's still early," because at some point, you know, you're. Are we a, a, a tenth of the way through the season? Fifteen percent uh, in. About fifteen percent. Fifteen percent in. Yep. So here we are. It's. It is early. But even though it's early, you still want to see the guys performing at a level where you have a little bit more confidence. Start by winning a a first game of a series. Let's get a series sweep. Let's start winning multiple series, but let's start by winning the first game of that series. Well, we know the potential of this. I mean, we all know that going into the season – The one thing that we can always look to is the Cardinals offense, right? This lineup is way too talented to not win more games. And we know that. We knew the starting pitching was probably going to be a big question mark for them going into the season. You hope with the return of Adam Wainwright that maybe we'll kind of see some more consistency out of the starting pitching rotation. But as of right now, it it has been a concern early on. I mean, you even look at Steven Matz and Miles Michaelis not doing too well. Miles Michaelis has the worst ERA in baseball for qualified starters. 
and has given yep. up the most hits in the league. 41. 7.46 ERA after this weekend. Now, we were could discussing this. <laughs> you can only go <laughs> up from there. And Steven Matz is not far behind him. He's 0 for 3 right now with a 6.55 ERA. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, it's, 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 I guess I should say not far ahead of him. Or, yeah, you know, it's just... It can only go up from here, hopefully. And I'm and I'm not talking about their ERA. Please don't let your ERA go up even further. So, uh, no. <laughs> and, I, and I am an old head. I remember John Tudor starting 1-7 in 1985 and finishing 21-8. and eight. I remember Chris Carpenter starting 1-7 in 2011 and winning 15 games and winning Game 7 of the World Series. I've seen guys get off to bad starts. I've seen guys get off to great starts and then just go down the tubes. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I'm willing to let the the cream rise to the top generally. By the way, CD, yes, sir. Uh, a couple of years ago, this, this would be two years ago, uh, the Cardinals were 14 and a half games out of the division lead and six and a half games out of a uh, uh, out of a wild card spot. And this was on September 10th. September 10th. They were as many games out as they are right now. Then they won 17 in a row. Pretty good. Well, Randy, there's another take here from the 636 on the text line. Talk about Arenado. Okay, Arenado is the uh, 10-time Gold Glove winner of the St. Louis Cardinals. He finished third in the MVP voting last year. He is one of the preeminent players in all of baseball in the last in, since he entered Major League Baseball. He's top four in accumulated WAR, and uh, he every year plays great and is. A great guy to have on your team. As a matter of fact, if the Cardinals would put Nolan Arenado on the market today, out of the 29 other teams in Major League Baseball, every single one except for perhaps the Padres and the Braves would give up a haul to mm-hmm. get him. I think I think what that's coming from, so a lot Arnado. of people this weekend are he kind of talking about some of his swings. that they were. Our people are speculating maybe he's injured or something like that. I don't think so. I think it's just... it's. Just wasn't a good weekend for him. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, re- I remember Albert having bad weekends too, but he actually wound up being pretty good he's, at the end of the okay. He'd usually have a month where he hit 1,000 OBS. Um, we got a text here from 636. I work at a school. If I have a garbage first month, I don't get to say, relax, it's early. It's part of playing ball in a working city. Get used to it. <laughs> Well, if you can make a comeback, though, it's a little bit different. If Again, if you can, you work at a school and in. April, you can go on a 17-day winning streak to to rally, then you're all good. That's the problem that you have is that you you don't have that luxury of falling behind. And the Cardinals and every other Major League Baseball team that's good has that luxury of being able to fall, fall behind and rally. You theoretically could say that you have like a whole career to kind of redeem yourself a little nah, bit. You can have <laughs> you a know. bad stretch at work, right? You can have two weeks where you just we just did. <laughs> <laughs> you just aren't dialed in, right? You're just kind of floating, you know, yeah. wandering, meandering. You yeah, know, so you figure it out. Yeah, they'll. Hey, they've got good players. They'll be fine. Whitey Herzog said over the weekend they're going to win the division. If you don't trust me, trust Whitey. He knows All what right. he's talking about. Uh, that's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Doc Rivers says that the NBA needs to do something about premier players getting goaded into fouls. Whose fault is that, and should something be done about it? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. There have been a lot of shenanigans in these NBA playoffs. Big-time players getting, 
I won't say attacked, but being goaded into taking fouls and responding. Doc Rivers, the coach of the Sixers, says the NBA needs to do something about those lesser players goading stars. And on Saturday, Dylan Brooks took it to the next level when he punched LeBron in the twig and berries. And LeBron was down for, I think, eight or ten minutes before they had to, uh, to carry him off. And... Here's what Doc said, quote, the lesser guys, they never get that. No one is doing that to them. So we're asking our stars to turn their heads a whole bunch more than they can at times. So it's a tough one for the league. I think they're in a tough spot. But I do think if you start it and you're going to suspend Draymond Green, who uh, had his ankle grabbed by uh, Sabonis earlier in this uh, round against uh, the, the, the Kings, he said, you should, should suspend the other guy, too. You created it. You go, too. So if you want to do that, you're putting yourself in a chance if the guy does respond where you can go, too. I think we have to come up with something like that. CD? Well, you talked about, was it Twister who who told uh, the, the Red Wings? Scotty Bowman. Yeah, he said, hey, he, he won't play again if you do this again to our guy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to have that. That would that's what made those Knicks teams so good in the '90s. That's what made the Detroit Bad Boys teams so good in the in the late '80s, '90s because they had guys. If you attacked one of their guys, it's going to be a, a pack of hyenas really coming after one of your guys, and you can't risk that, right? So if if you're LeBron James and you got Dylan Brooks, you know, attacking LeBron or, or speaking to him in that manner. Oh, you got John Moran on your side. So I got a 12th guy on the bench that got six fouls. And 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 you got a bad hand, Ja. So do you really want him hacking, whacking away at that bad hand, knowing that maybe on the fourth one I might break something? Mm-hmm. It is what it is. So let's let's play the game in the right manner. We don't have to go to this to this extreme, but we will. And I have no issue with you attacking my guy. Well, you know, the Brooklyn Nets might not have that superstar, but Dinwiddie is there. They got a few guys that if they're mm-hmm. without them, they weren't going to win that. They didn't win it anyway, but they weren't going to win that series. So if you're looking at you want to attack my star, I got a guy on the bench that has six fouls. I'm going to attack your guy as well. Do you think it's a little weird that, you know, he didn't get a suspension like Draymond Green got? I think Draymond Green shouldn't have been shouldn't well, have been suspended. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, do you think that that kind of should have happened? If you're gonna if you're gonna suspend Green for that, why would you not suspend Brooks? Because then it kind of history too, right? And that's they, what I say. He does have a history. He even caught, he even said afterwards. He says the media is making me a villain. The fans making me a villain. That just creates another persona on me. You wear Con Air tank tops to the to the game. You, you, you're 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 your own villain. You are creating this image of yourself. I think Dylan Brooks's incident was more of an accident, if you can say that. It it was more in the uh, the actual play of the game. It wasn't something where Draymond actually had to step on a guy to get past him. It was more he's reaching for the ball. At least that could be his answer. I think James Harden's um, his ejection was ridiculous because that's a move he makes all the time, and so he hit you know the guy in the groin and and really looked like it was above the groin the, the belt but it he got he got ejected from that game. I think the referees have been too much of the topic in this mm-hmm. NBA playoffs and if you want to have good playoffs the referees should just be you know seen but not heard from. And to Doc Rivers' point, he didn't think Draymond should have been suspended. Correct. And, and I agree with that. But if you are I I agree with his premise. If you're going to suspend a guy, then you should re- suspend two for being in the skirmish. Otherwise, 
let the guys, this is a testosterone laden group of people in a very intense environment. And these sorts of things are going to happen now and then. So you just call the fouls. Maybe you do kick a guy out of a game. But I don't think, unless it's something really egregious, that there's a necessity for the league to be suspending players. Yeah, I don't think you should be suspended. I, again, Draymond's suspension was ridiculous. Now it might have benefited the Warriors because they figured some they <laughs> figured some things out about how to play against this Sacramento Kings team. But you don't suspend a guy in that moment. It's too critical. This is these are the things that again change careers, change lives. It's too impactful to suspend a guy uh, in a playoff series when you only guaranteed. Seven of them if, if you go the distance. So, yeah, I, I think it's a difficult decision to make. And I think if you're going to do it to the Warriors, then you have to do it to the Kings. Because Sabonis was as much yeah. of an instigator, yes. was the instigator yes. of that situation. I will always think it's funny, though, when somebody talks about the media while talking to the media. <laughs> I just always find that, like, funny. I don't know. I just, maybe it's just me. It's like, you media are coming after me. It's like, but you're talking to them yeah. anyways. It's, you're, it's, you're still wanting your message out there. Point across yeah. Yeah. to the people that are upsetting them. Now, As Doc he has, comes in with yeah. this tank top and yeah. belt buckles. Yeah, and Doc has other things to worry about because he might not have Joel Embiid, who's going to be the MVP, for the next series. And that had nothing to do, actually. Yeah. Uh, the injury had nothing to do with any shenanigans on the court. But if they don't have Embiid, what are their chances? Can we talk about the injuries in the playoffs? Because mm-hmm. one, Crazy. Matthew Rocchio said, you, you get it. You don't care if you get in. You're not going to win. But then you have Joel Embiid missing games. You've had John Morant missing games. You had Giannis missing games, and they're down two to one right now. You've had superstars missing games. You got Hero, who's not a superstar, but he's missed. You got Victor Oladipo, who's missed, who's going to miss time. You got guys getting hurt, key guys getting hurt in in, in moments. You get Draymond suspended. Anything can happen, Kawhi. which is why Kawhi being out for, for multiple games. Anything can happen. A guy can roll his ankle in, in warm-ups. You play to win the game. Dallas, hello. Guys, you play to win the game. Hold on. Guys can get hurt in warm-ups? Yeah, there's a guy named Kevin Durant who who mysteriously rolled his ankle. It was a pretty interesting thing. He rolled his ankle. Oh, my God. That, was, that video was awful. By the way, I feel like Everybody we have to— hurt in warm-ups? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we have to give a shout-out to Jason Tatum as well. They are playing well. Huge, they are playing the, the huge Atlanta game Hawks. for him. 31 yeah. points, mm-hmm. seven rebounds. And this stat from ESPN Stats and Info, the Celtics are now 22-1 and when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both score 30 points, including the playoffs. I'm okay with that. I think they should – I mean, them playing the Atlanta Hawks are like playing a G League team, in my opinion, right now. It's not – they are – the Atlanta Hawks are just there. Collecting uh, the look at Rockio. Rockio. You think because it doesn't one half. It's hey, you make it to the playoffs. The, anything can happen. The anything. other half is you're a G yeah, League team, if, so if, why not? If, if the if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown go down, <laughs> anything can happen. Unfortunately for the Hawks, that didn't happen. They, those guys are healthy and playing well. I get the sense, even <laughs> even in the playoffs, and I know they're trying, but I get the sense that this is just an evaluation period for Quinn Snyder. The yeah. rest of the season was when he got hired in these playoffs to figure out who he wants, who can play in the playoffs, who can win in the playoffs. I, I don't know that this is... I think they're probably pretty self-aware of the fact that they aren't winning a championship this year. So, oh, yeah. hey, let's make the playoffs and figure out who more games and who we need because yeah. they might get Jalen Brown next year, and then that changes the the Eastern Conference dramatically. Maybe. Yeah, 
We got a really important question here while we're talking mm-hmm. about the NBA from the six three six. What is it with this generation of athletes and nut shots? I'm <laughs> so glad that point. you asked. It's that. a fair point. <laughs> uh, oh, as, Car- as Carrie would probably tell us, it's, a, it's it's the oldest, dirtiest trick in the book. I, listen, I, I if you hit someone there, you're not this generation, are you, Carrie? Nah, we but you we, played with you some and people. I, I've I've listen, <laughs> you and I will see each other in the in the in the tunnel after the game. Dylan if Brooks, that'll make you a villain. It will make me fight you, mm-hmm. like literally fight you after the game. Like, it, it, or if you're LeBron, you don't have to fight him. You got guys on your team that set hard screens and don't mind being physical. At least you should have one or two of those guys. That's why Udonis Haslam played for 20 years. He couldn't get a bucket, but guess what? If he goes into the game, I guarantee you he's going to foul someone extremely hard and let them know, don't do that again. Okay, so if you are uh Ham, Darvin Ham. Mm-hmm. Do you dress Tristan Thompson? But you, you, do you want to go after Ja or do you want to go after Brooks? You want to go after Ja because that sets a tone. Hey, 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 what, what, what are we doing here? What, what's going on? Hey, tell him to stop. And now mm-hmm. Ja goes, hey, buddy, hey, don't do that again. They're going to try to harm me. Okay, so Max Christie, Michigan State guy. That's your that's your guy. He was dressed the other night, DNP, coach's decision. So Max Christie makes his way under the floor. You got six fouls, buddy. Yep. Go use all use of them. Use them all. Use, use them all. all. But, but only use them on Ja. Yeah. Like, you got to, I would say more of a Mo Bamba type of, you get Mo in there. Big fella. Ja likes to drive to the paint. Oh, yeah. You hit him with, with one of those forearm, forearm shivers. Yeah. Hit right around the collarbone area. Where a guy just said, oh, what's going on in here? Okay. And he's not, I mean, he, boom. You know, Andrew Bynum style a few years okay, ago. Okay, there you go. Good call. Yeah, yeah, Good he call. hit, uh, which guard was that that he forearm shivered and, and got ejected from It was against the, the, the Mavericks, right? <laughs> I think so. I don't remember who it was. It was, oh, Berea. Yeah, that's it. Yep. J.J. Barea. J.J. Barea. Yep. Yeah. Hit him with J.J. Barea deserved it. <laughs> he did, yeah. Hit him with a forearm shiver. Get out of here. Little fella. Coming up, you might have thought that it was Arnado. You might have thought that it was Goldschmidt. You might have thought it was Nolan Gorman. But no, Cardinals' best player. You know him, and he's back, baby. That's next on 101 ESPN. (laughs) You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're, we're all confident what he does at short. It's uh, right. what he does in the batter's box. Right. And uh, and so uh, feedback right now, because he is working down in Jupiter daily, has been uh, extremely impressive or, or positive. You know, obviously uh, there's that saying, you know, some people are 5 o'clock hitters and some people are 7.15 hitters. So uh, in this case, we need him to be that 7.15 hitter. And, you know, I don't think you really know that until you start playing in games. But... Um, to your point, he is going to get a lot of opportunity this spring, and uh, you know we're pretty optimistic of what we have. That was Cardinal Pobo Jamozelak in spring training, and lo and behold, Paul DeYoung suffered a lower back injury towards the end of spring training. Had to go down to Memphis where he hit 302 with an OPS of 900, a couple of homers, 16 RBIs, and was really hot when the Cardinals called him up on Saturday night for action yesterday. And lo and behold, he goes three for four, and he does this. A couple of hits in this one for DeYoung. He singled twice. High fly ball. That's hammered deep left center field. Rodriguez back and is gone. Paul DeYoung with a three-hit return has gone deep in Seattle. 
Okay, so here's what I'm wondering, and obviously you have the injury right now to Brendan Donovan, but do the Cardinals, is it in the back of their mind that they're going to play Paul DeYoung at short and Tommy Edmund at second? Do they do that? And then make uh, make Brendan Donovan the super sub that they've always desired him to be? Well, if he hits... 750, Randy. You, you, you might have to keep him on the on the day to day lineup. In the day to day lineup, he, he came up, did an outstanding job. The one thing that has been the concern about Paul DeYoung is his ability to hit. He struggled mightily last year and in and, and, and past years, and uh, we know his defense is stellar. But can he hit on a consistent basis has been the question for a while. And he came up yesterday, had an outstanding day. Now, can he continue that? And if he can then, yeah, you probably see him at at shortstop, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, he went three for four yesterday with a home run um, as well. I mean, I don't know. The thing is, it's the first game, and I hate to kind of sound like cynical in that way, but I brought this up earlier with what John Denton said. He homered in his first big league game. This is talking about Paul DeYoung and his fast starts. He homered in his first big league game, and then... Uh, in his first game last year, he homered after being recalled from AAA. And then yesterday, with a home run in his first game back. So, you just I feel like you have to wait and see. But during AAA, he was doing pretty well. He had three hits, a home run, and six RBIs in his final AAA rehab game before making the journey up here to the bigs. I think it's just everybody is wait and see, right? Because it feels like you have given Paul DeYoung, to your point, CD, a lot of chances and we've seen him do good for a little spurt, and then he gets in that giant slump that he cannot seem to get himself out of. And the Cardinals have married themselves to Paul DeYoung for such a long time, and sometimes they endure those slumps that don't stop, and I think Mm -hmm. they have to probably take history into account here. If he does get off to a hot start but then goes 0 for 16, my assumption would be that he's not going to, to get it back, and I would actually rather have... Mason win up here than a, a 189 hitting Paul DeYoung. That was going to be my next point. You almost, if you're, you're the Cardinals, want him to have success. You want him to be a, a three for four a day type of guy, two for four type of guy, because at, all in all, we know who's going to end up being the next shortstop, right? We think Mason Wynn will be here at some point this season. If Paul DeYoung is playing and performing well, that gives you an opportunity to trade him. Mm-hmm. If you if he's not, if he's batting 115 and 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 struggling mightily at the plate, no one is going to want to to sign that. So the best thing that could happen for Paul DeYoung and for the Cardinals was his performance yesterday and you hope that he can continue that, you know, each time he's on the field. Because what do you want to do? You just want to DFA the guy and no. you just let him go. At least you would hope that he would provide some value where you can go out and get some something else package him with some other things. We know that they have a lot of depth. How, how long do you need to see, if you're an opposing team looking to trade for a shortstop in the shortstop market, I, I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers mm-hmm. have Mookie Betts playing shortstop right now. If you're looking for a shortstop, how long do you need to see this version of Paul DeYoung before you say, okay, sold, I, I'll take it? Well, if you're the Dodgers and you get to see him next weekend, then you trust your own eyes. Mm-hmm. But you probably want to see at least a couple of weeks of consistent hitting and health. Yeah. One of the issues for DeYoung is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I, I want him to play for a couple of weeks, but it depends on who I am. If I'm in the Dodgers and I have a pretty acute need for a shortstop and I trust my scouts and my own eyes, 
I might be willing to to go in pretty quickly, depending on what the price is. And there's no team that has more available arms in their system and at the major league level than the Dodgers do. Cardinals mm-hmm. play the Dodgers again here in May, May fifteenth ish yep. around that time. Yeah. And that might be if you have a, a a streak of that's about three weeks where if he's playing and performing well, and you get to see him twice if you're the Dodgers, maybe at that point you say, okay, yeah, I'm 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 sold. I'm ready to to make this move. I would think that that would be probably pretty good timing, depending upon, obviously, how the rest of the Dodger lineup is. Because they lost Lux, Gavin Lux. They never really recovered from or never replaced Corey Seager. And then they lose Trey Turner to free agency, too. They had a lot of good players that, for whatever reason, aren't playing for them now. And they need to replenish because the guys, the young players that they were counting on, their shortstop, uh, let me get this stat for you. Uh, they had a young shortstop who was slashing. Here we go. Uh, Miguel Rojas, who's on the IL now, was hitting 125 with a 200 on base and a 156 slug. He had a, an OPS of 356. And that's the guy they were counting on. And that's the reason that we're seeing Mookie Betts at shortstop. Mm-hmm. So maybe the Dodgers would have interest in a guy like DeYoung if DeYoung could have a pr- couple of pretty good weeks for the Cardinals. Hope so. Yeah. I, I You, you kind of need him to at this point because. something you put all your eggs in the basket of keeping him around right Mm -hmm. you got to hope that it works out in some way shape or form where they could maybe at least get something out of him if this whole him staying with the cardinals thing doesn't work out either i just i don't see and his contract is up after this year anyway but i don't see a scenario in which paul DeYoung can be a key member of the Cardinals. I really no. don't. It's and, I feel like it ran its course. Yeah, at this I, I point. agree with you. And whether it's at to me, he should be third on the shortstop depth chart right now, at best, behind mm-hmm. Edmund and Wynn. And maybe well, probably not Donovan. But if you look at the infield though, I think you play Donovan and Gorman ahead of him too. So right now he's number five on your not theirs, but my Cardinal yeah. infield depth chart. And you're paying him $9 million. So try to find somebody that can take him off your hands and maybe get somebody who can start a game for you on the mound. You need him to perform, though. Like He has to continue to. Yes, that's the key. <laughs> he has to do what he did in Memphis and has to do what he did, continue to do what he did in Seattle on, on Sunday. Yeah, and he's capable of it. He's done it before. But then you need to... To make the move before he cools off. Yep. Yeah, you please, have please, please listen. Yeah. I, I don't out. know if yeah. Cardinals fans can handle that. Like another season of that, of that letting him get hot, stay, and then something just not panning out with moving him before he cools off again. It seems like maybe he gets in his head too much about some totally, of that stuff. Totally. Because if you even look at like early on, I mean. Just rediscovering that swing that looked a lot easier for him. He hit 25, then 19, then 30 homers in his first three Major League Baseball seasons. And then it's just like it dips off and you could just tell. And he even admitted in the past that he would just get into his head too much about it. And he's got his own personal hitting coach. And then he had Jeff Albert, and then he had the assistant hitting coach, and then they sent him down, and he was listening to the coaches in Memphis. And then he goes over to Jim Edmonds' house, and he's got a million people that are in his ear. And so you get up to the plate, and you, all of these voices are talking to you, yeah. and you've got a million different things to think about. And the worst thing you can do at the plate is think. Kind of like me at the tee when my golf swing at times. Yes, yeah, don't How don't many think. voices do you have in, in your uh, head? You have Clabes. Yeah, uh, I got <laughs> uh, myself. I got my, my alternate, my you know, my other person that I hear, and then my coach. Yeah, sometimes it gets a little, <laughs> a little hairy in there. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I was over at the Golf Discount uh, demo days yesterday at Old Hickory. I was told 
that uh, f- from a very impartial source that Brooke, you were terrific in your first lesson. It, we, uh, you were referred to as the natural. No, I so don't, oh, I don't know. That's that's, <laughs> a, that's too much. Now I'm going to be like Paul DeYoung, where yep. I'm going to get in my head and yep. just like absolutely <laughs> blow this. Like the next time you guys see me out there, I won't be able to like hit it whatsoever. You'll be, you'll be great. Now I was also asked where the hell Rockio is because apparently he has not been in for a lesson. They told me that recently. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I need to get back in. I played a round on Friday and oof. Need need back, need, need it out back in. Good. So there you go. So me, me and Carrier, we're ready to go. Apparently. Stay ready. I just have to get to y'all's level. Oh, right? Yeah. Uh you, you, that's not that's not much of a reach. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> put that as yeah. my uh <laughs> the bar that I want to get to. Have you seen them? How are they? They're they're good, but like I mean, you're past me already, so I mean you're you're doing fine, bro. I just hit the ball once. <laughs> Just hit it once. Hey, they saw. They said it. Natural golfer. Oh God. There you go. Uh, coming up, we've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch on this edition of the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's time for rock and roll, and Matthew Rocchio is going to rock, and then with a, whatever comment he makes, we'll roll. Well, I needed everyone to hear this. Listen, there's some my, one of my favorite oh, things about ESPN. No, something my one of my favorite things about ESPN is the weekly interviews that we have across these shows are fantastic. When you look at the the hockey ones we do, Wednesdays with Wayno, you know they always get chatting with Coach with Barubi on the fast lane. Fast lane also gets a great segment every week with Matt Holiday. Holiday was with them on Friday, and he broke down his opinion on analytics and how it works with players. And I thought this was just a fascinating take from somebody who obviously was very close to being right inside of the locker room. So I, I know that the Cardinals, you know, they have a, they have a, you know, a, a department that, that, that provides all the information and, and uh, you know, and Ollie and, and the staff break it down and, and they, uh, you know, they, they try to figure out what, what's good and usable and, and maybe, you know, guys like Goldie and Nolan will say, hey, uh, this is what I want out of this information and, and, uh, and, and let me run with it. But, I mean, I, I think it's all good stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's ruining the game. I, I think I think that's to me that's that's uh, like overstating it. I mean, I, I think that it, you know, like I said, as a player, um, if there's stuff that makes sense to me that helps me in my game, then give it to me. If it's too much or something that I don't really find helpful, then then I can certainly ignore it or or, or not take it into consideration. I thought that was interesting because. We all know that it's not necessarily negative, but I think what he got to the point a lot of people get to, which is with young players, are you overstimulating them and giving them too much to worry about, too much to think about when sometimes it, you, it's simplifying, it makes it easier. And Holiday was a very long clip, great answer. You can go back and listen to the interview on 101ESPN.com, but he talked about it too early about how some young players, they might get it thrown in their face, but older players, then you have the ability to just say, listen, don't give me that, I don't need that anymore. And the, the greatest hitters of all time, taking nothing away from that, but you, you talk to, back in the day, Tony Gwynn, who, and this was pre-analytics, but he was the first guy to use video, but he also understood that he could overuse the video. And mm-hmm. I think the, the, the thing that about analytics offensively that bothers me is that it makes players think too much of the play. This is something that Mark McGuire harps on all the time, is that you should already have in your mind 
what your game plan is going to be when you go to the plate. When you, he, Mark's philosophy is you should have everything about the pitcher that you're going to face tonight in your mind when you get to the ballpark. All of that should be done at, by the time you get to the stadium. The other part is that the things that ruined the game analytically, from my perspective, are things like the shift, things like the the ability, and I take nothing away from technology, but the fact that these pitchers were maxing out to throw 100 miles an hour and taking 30 seconds between pitchers, uh, between pitches, it wasn't necessarily the offensive aspect of analytics. It was the run suppression aspect of analytics, to removing the stolen base from the game because teams were too scared to lose one of their 27 outs. Those were the things that I think hurt the, the action point of the game that, by the way, because of the rules changes, have been brought back. I think it, it kind of touches on what we were just talking about earlier with Paul DeYoung, where you have to kind of decipher between all the noise and all the voices, right? Because if you just take all that with you to the plate, then to your point, it is too much going on at once. And be able to decipher which voice that you need to hear at that one moment. I could tell you one thing, like you said, it's not the one where it's like the analytics, it's stats. That's not something that you should be taking with you to the plate, because then that's all you're going to be thinking about, not who you're facing in that moment. And it it just seems like maybe, especially for those younger players, deciphering what voice you need to be listening to in certain moments is really key to pushing through. And Carrie, one quick thing here. Mm-hmm. Another analytics thing that probably did as much to the sport as anything is players going to the plate with the desire to take a walk rather than swing the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think if you go with that mindset, it's harder to swing when you need to swing. I think you should go up there with the mindset of swinging, and if the ball is not in the zone, you you, you lay off of it. But if you are, I'm not going to swing, and now it's right down the middle, it's harder to, to, to get started than it is to, to, to pull it back. I think the 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 analytics can often cause what we what we like to term paralysis by analysis. You you you're thinking so much about what needs to take place and you just kind of freeze in that moment because it's not exactly what you were told it would be. Instead of sometimes you got to be reactive and and just play the game. I think the analytics can give you an idea of what could happen, but it's not the end all be all of what will happen and you have to be able to differentiate the two of those. One other thing by the way is Matt had the the best baseball agent in Scott Boris. And Boris and his crew have all of the information. And they probably, I would think, distill it better for young players than a lot of organizations do. Matt was in the Colorado organization. The Colorado organization has the access to all these numbers and all of the equipment, but they have no idea how to use it. Nobody can teach young players how to use it. And I knew a guy that was in a different organization, the Yankee. Well, there were two guys, a a Yankee and a national that came over to the Rockies organization. They were playing in double A. And because they had used the equipment in the other organizations, they taught everybody how to use it. But there were no coaches on the staff at double A to teach players how to utilize the information that was available to them. Yeah, yeah. It Bad is. organizations do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, it does get to the point where it, it's just too much. It's too much going on, too much video at times. But I keep going back and forth. I remember Albert Pujols would look at a lot of video of himself during the games, even. But Albert's a different animal, right? But then it goes yeah. back to deciphering what you need in that certain moment. And the other thing, he's he's 
taking a look at the pitcher mm-hmm. because he would tell guys, he'd say, okay, this guy's going to start me off with a slider away, and then he's going to come in mm-hmm. with a fastball, and I'm going to hit the fastball for a home run. Second pitch is a fastball inside, boom, hits it out of the ballpark. Right. Mm-hmm. He's looking for trends from pitchers, too. And I just noticed that not many guys are doing the same thing. Yeah, it's it's surprising, yeah. But like I said, even at the age of 42, what he was last year, his last year of Major League Baseball, Albert was just so committed to the craft. And I th- not that guys aren't committed to the craft, he was just committed in a different way. But if I would have been in that dugout all the time last year, I would have glommed on to him so much. Hey, what you looking at? What you-? Yeah. Like Juan Yepes did. Yes. And then Albert got him sent down. <laughs> oh, man. I was going to point that out earlier when we were playing the uh, Albert clip. I'm like, at one point in the clip, does he say, if they just bring up my boy Yepes, yeah. we'll be fine. That's right. Uh, that was uh, fun. Rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. Hey, we've got a balloon party coming up. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson will be with you from 10 to 11. Then the balloon party will lead into BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2 here on 101 ESPN. And then the fast lane with Anthony and uh, Jamie. Jamie is going to be here. Yes. We're going to talk on some sports until 6 here on 101 ESPN. Don't forget the gauntlet this afternoon. Gauntlet is always a fun little event. You guys listen to the gauntlet? I do. I do. I do. I do it every it's tough, man. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. Thank you, Matthew. That's I love listening to the gauntlet when I'm in the that's car. That's great. Uh, that's our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, this has been a fun Monday. Yes. And we'll do it again tomorrow. We will on Meh Tuesday. Meh. Meh. I poke bears. <laughs> CD pokes bears. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.